Last time on our adventure, Nick, Thurm, and Cuddy were in Longsaddle, a secluded town home to an academy of sorts for mages. In order to access the main facility on a small island, they needed to either pay an extraordinary amount of money or complete some tasks around town at the behest of some of the wizards and townspeople. Two tasks behind them now, they set off to help Pontiff the Stout, a dwarven mage who wanted to make a staff imbued with the elemental power of electricity. The party helped with the four steps, with a few missteps along the way, and left with the thanks from the happy dwarf as well as a scroll of fireball for their trouble. With that task behind them, they rested the night at the local inn and proceeded to accomplish their quest of eliminating a den of bugbears to the south. It turns out the goblins that were liquefied by Muldra as the dragon were scouts for the nearby bugbears hiding in a glade nearby. Shortly after entering, they eliminated the bugbears, including their chieftain, and then Nyx discovered a pile of crates. Examining them closely, he found a hidden compartment and a large amount of gold hidden under some cherry wood planks. Finishing their task, the three returned to the registrar's office in town to show the proof of their deeds and to get access to the stone bridge. Finally going across the bridge with no resistance, they saw a beautiful fountain to their left and saw Muldras, the dragon they had gotten that had gotten on Nyx's bad side, as well as a hooded mage and Spunky, their lost dog. Approaching the dragon, they bore witness to the transformation of Spunky the dog into Harkle, the human mage. The mage thanked the party profusely, saying that he had, they had saved his life many times over throughout their journey to Long Saddle. Harkle explained he was trying to polymorph into a werewolf, but using the wrong component, transformed into a golden retriever instead. Harkle said he needed to check in with the archmage and to come visit him sometime soon, leaving off with a huge hug to Cuddy before scampering off. A short conversation with Muldrez revealed that the dragon merely was playing a trick on the party, and he was not as bloodthirsty as he first let on. Nick, still not happy with him, told him he should watch how he speaks to the smaller races. Muldrez appeared to consider it, for now. Going into the main building, they bore witness to many fine arts and sculptures in the hallways, many impressive sights all around them. Many mages moved all around a large chamber with many different rooms and passageways. After being led to the archmage's office by a strange red ball, they overheard a conversation about a drow attack uh, somewhere to the, in the eastern forest involving some of the nearby allied werewolves. Going inside after a mighty knock by Thrym, they were greeted by Archmage Juritan and Enchantress Renatal. The Enchantress mistook Cuddy for a scout from the Iron Company, but realized that Cuddy was not part of that organization as soon as he spoke. The Archmage asked Clancy, the necromantic farmer that they helped outside of town, to appear. Stepping out from an invisibility spell, Clancy said they passed his test. Confusing surrounding the party, the Archmage Juritan apologized and explained everything. Muldrez saw the party through the forest, traveling towards Long Saddle, and then saw Nyx, then proceeded to report it to the Archmage. Under close watch, the party was allowed to enter town, and in order to gain access, they were asked to do errands for the town. They were, however, trials to see if the party's true colors and loyalties lie somewhere underground. Helping Clancy instead of condemning him, putting their lives in danger to eliminate the golem with no expectation of reward, helping a wizard with an immensely powerful artifact without doing him wrong, and eliminating a serious threat to the town all showed the Archmage, Muldrez, and the mages of the town that Nyx, Thrym, and Cuddy were not spies from the Undertark 
looking to worm their way into the Ivy Mansion, the magnificent headquarters of the mages. Drow were recently pushing out from the Underdark near an allied group to the east, as we have spoken about, and they had been more aggressive of late. So watching Nyx was important to the security of Longsaddle. The topic got on to Cuddy, and the material he was made out of. Archmage Juritan brought out his war staff, clearly made of the same material as Cuddy's wood, Umbral Loris. The Archmage told of a cleric who beseeched his goddess for aid in the coming battles ahead. She gifted him a branch of Umbral Loris to him. It was then crafted into a mighty war staff. One hundred years ago, there was a deadly series of events called the War of Many Caves. Drow armies under the control of Lolf and the great houses of Menzo Berenzin flooded the surface to attempt to take control. Many gods and goddesses fought back with their own champions during this conflict as well. Eventually, the drow were decimated and pushed back into their subterranean existence. On his deathbed, the cleric, Drendar Ven, war cleric for Sehanin Moonbow, passed the war staff to his close friend, Archmage Juritan. Cuddy asked if the Archmage had more information on Umbral Loris and wished to see it, walking off of the Archmage. That left Nyx and Thrym alone with Enchantress Renatal. She extended a warm welcome to stay a while and figure out their next move. Before leaving the room, Cuddy approached his two allies and expressed a deep interest in staying here in Longsaddle to do more research on the mysterious wood with the Archmage. Nyx and Thrym told him to follow his heart, and he would be sorely missed as an ally of the Drow and Stone Giant. Leaving the room to go get something to eat was where we left off. Um, it's probably been one or two days later, mostly just resting and kind of trying to get to know the people of Longsaddle. Um, the Archmage Juritan speaking with you. You guys have been just given some bunk beds in the same room uh, that Cuddy is in. Um, I'd say throughout your time here in the Ivy Mansion, you've only seen Cuddy once or twice as he's been with the Archmage the entire time researching. Um, your main point of contact has been Enchantress Renatal as well. Um, and you've gotten to know that there are certain places in the Ivy Mansion with the red floating balls that when you speak to them, um, kind of help direct you around. So you guys earned yourself some downtime. So, uh, a couple days, uh, into being there. Working with certain people, you, you've seen Clancy in the halls, chatting with him. Um, you guys have kind of spoken about your abilities. All the mages, of course, you know, talking to you and getting some interesting experiences and the occasional tale of, like, your spells compared to them have kind of given you the idea of maybe learning a few new tricks while just forgetting some of the ones that you don't feel would be as valuable for your journey ahead. So the uh, first one that has happened is uh, one of the mornings, Thrym, uh, probably while you were scarfing down a shit ton of meat in the uh, mess hall there, um, you were approached by this little little scribe-looking kid, and he runs up to you and says, uh, you know, you know Charlie? Charlie Dendron, the, the register? Uh, not really. Kind of. I think I met him. That That's the lady who gives out the tasks? Yeah, 
God. She said she wanted to wanted to talk to you whenever you had a chance. Oh God. Okay. Something about uh, something about magic or something. Oh, that's better than what I thought she wanted to talk to me about. All right. Well, I gotta go out like tell five hundred other people random fucking things. So see you later, guy. And the little scribe scampers off. So I'll finish scarfing down a bunch of things. Okay. Um, and who's got the writ? Does Nick still have the writ to get uh, this? Yes, but throughout the past couple of days, you you guys kind of have a free roam of the place. Okay. Um, everyone kind of reckon that you you got that you guys are the only stone giants in Drow inside the Ivy Mansion, so uh, your reputation has kind of preceded you with that, so I wouldn't worry about getting locked out. You bang, right. banging on a window asking Nyx, hey, let me in, man! <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go talk to her. Sure. Okay, so you make yourself across the bridge. Um, you see a lot of, like, appreciative, like, nods from people. Some people, you know, you're, you're getting the impression that they're not, like, awestruck at the sight of a stone giant especially you've you've gotten the word that uh these mages actually have occasional dealings with the um the stone giants in granite hollow so you get the impression that a stone giant of your size is kind of a, an uncommon sight but not a rare sight um so strangely you you feel for the, one of the very first times that you're not getting like these like wide-eyed glares walking through a settlement of people who are, you know, three quarters down to, like, your waist. So you make your way over to uh, the register's office and you do notice the the pieces of wood that you had broken off before are still lying on the, uh, on the ground. And you look over and you see Charlie uh, leaning back on the doorframe with her arms crossed. He goes, or she goes, so you want to help with a cantrip, huh? With, like, this sly smile on her face. I mean, I always like learning new stuff. Okay. Well, you know, I like learning new stuff, too, so why don't you, uh, help me fix this thing right here? And she just <laughs> glares Fair at enough. you with, like, this sly smile. So you, you take the, uh... You take a couple hours, and she's actually, like, showing a lot of interest in how you're doing it, because it's not just, like, you're, like, spitting on it and trying to attach it back into place. Like, you you bring out, like, a, your little knife, and you kind of take a, a little bit to go out in the woods and find some, like, lumber, and you're kind of messing around with it. And after a couple hours, you get it back to... It, you would never have been able to tell that you, like, dug your mitts into it and ripped the whole fucking thing right off. If anything, in your opinion, it's a lot stronger than it was before. Probably like over. Do the trick? Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Thanks for, uh, fixing that. That was kind of hilarious, though. But, nah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, we kind of figured out you guys weren't so hostile after all, so we can't th take that too to heart. So Charlie brings you uh, back to her desk, and she sits down. She goes, "All right, so uh, what what do, what do you do? What do you what, what currently? What what kind of small random magic do you do? Uh, you know, kind of your basic stuff, like what? send elect electricity into people." 
just give myself a little more knowledge on what they can do so I can know better for the, when their next attack is coming and what I can do for my next attack. Okay. How's that working out for you? I don't really use it that much, honestly. Ah, okay. All right, well, you know, come on over here. She, like, brings you over to the back of the desk and, you know, you see a whole bunch of random papers and, like, little, like, wooden carvings of stuff that she's been, like, dicking around with and they look horrible. It looks like someone's desk that they're just bored as fuck in between visitors. And she goes, all right, I think I think I got something for you. Just, all right. What about... You, you like to hit things a lot, I'm assuming, with that thing over your back there, right? Yeah. All right, what if, uh, what if you could imbue it with something? Give you a little bit more of a magical boost. Is that something you'd be interested in? That would be awesome. All right. And kind of the more you play around with it, too, it might actually, uh, with a powerful enough swing, might actually, you know, smack something else if enemies are too, too close together, if you catch my drift. Ooh. That would, that would be really dope. But anyway, yeah, come with me. So she brings you out to the, to the back of the register's office, and it looks like this, like, plain, like, backyard-looking area with kind of, like, overgrown weeds. Looks like no one's really paid attention to this area for a while. And over the course of the afternoon, um, she uh, teaches you the green flame blade cantrip. And then as she's kind of showing you how to um, essentially draw your magic into your weapon that you've almost seen, like, Nyx be able to do, where he uses he uses his weapon to kind of channel magic. She's taught you how to channel magic into it without releasing it until you want to. And that's what allows that to strike an enemy and then apply that magic. Um, so over that course of a couple hours, um, she also talks to you about trying to, like, purge that kind of stuff from your brain, too. Um, so for that, then you end up forgetting the true strike cantrip. And then after after a little while, you're able to kind of play around with it, and you're able to kind of, like, summon it. And uh, when you do that, like, what does it look like to you? Well, what it would be is you'd see, like, the green flame cover the entire fist when it hits the one guy, and the way I like to shoot magic missile would be how it distributes it to another guy so when I hit the middle finger comes out and it shoots a, another green uh, the green flame into the other person okay cool alright so then you, you say your goodbyes to Charlie and you look up right as you're leaving you look up at your handiwork and you're just like you're like damn that looks good and then that kind of concludes your day of that. Um, Nyx and Thrym, the, the next day you guys kind of got together a little bit. Um, and as you guys are kind of wandering the halls, uh, Nyx has been looking for a library. But um, another one of these pages kind of runs up to you and says, uh, Caster Clancy. What about him? Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, he wants to talk to you guys over at the farm. 
Did you need you directions or another undead? Well, probably. I mean, that's what he does out there. He, he kind of lives out there. <clears throat> he, he has his own room here, but he just, he's never in it. All right. God. He wants to see us out at the farm. Uh, yep. He didn't say a uh, time period on that, but you know, it's usually rude to keep people waiting. Yeah, I, I got nothing better to do. I, I can't find the library in this damn place. Oh, uh, second floor. I've been going to the third floor this whole time. Oh yeah, just remember those those red balls. They can kind of lead you in the direction of stuff. I know they're kind of creepy because they don't talk back, but they they'll get you anywhere around here. All right, <clears throat> I'll take a look at that later. I guess Clancy needs us for something. Okay, so you guys head out of town. It, it just takes you a little bit of time, and you you see that uh, the uh, undead farm animals are are still kind of wandering around. Um, mind you, when you when you make it to the farm, it's not near a major road or anything. So now that you kind of have a little bit more perspective on it, this farm is just surrounded by pretty dense woods, like right off to the side of like 15 minutes outside of town. Um, so your average person probably wouldn't get a look at this farm. So you see a couple of the uh, more undead chickens kind of running through the dilapidated cornfields, and you hear a, a slight banging coming from inside the barn, which you kind of met Clancy the first time around. I really hope he's not trying to build something. Uh, I don't want to. I don't have to kill any more chickens. I don't want to have to bury any more of his dad's old servants. Although we did make him do that. Fair, but still. Yeah, that's just a hassle. I don't want to deal with. Let's go see what he wants. So reluctantly, fucking guy. <laughs> so you guys uh, wander over and you're hearing this banging and, and as it's happening you're kind of like seeing this like very ramshackle like barn kind of shake a little bit and you guys creep on over and you peek inside and Clancy is on the inside and he's got like planks of wood and he looks like he's like taking old planks out and like applying like brand new ones he's got a hammer and nails and it looks like he's trying like bit by bit to kind of bring this barn into order and out of the corner of his eye he looks over and sees you guys like hey you got you got my message yeah we got your message what are you doing I'm I'm fixing up the barn that's kind of my little pet project so you're an accomplished necromancer whose hobby is refurbishing a barn well yeah I mean this is the first time we probably talked since uh, that whole uh, surprise event the other day, but no, I, there's, this farm really was given to me, but I know nothing about, you know, once you kind of learn a lot of magic, you, you kind of get bored with it after a while, if you know what I mean. And you, you kind of want a different hobby that doesn't involve like, you know, causing yourself migraines at the end of the day. So I don't mind's just slowly, but surely if I ain't doing nothing, I'm out here kind of fixing it up. I know. I, I guess I never really had the migraine problem. Magic just kind of came naturally to me. Oh yeah, you're you're one of them. Uh, yeah, they they call them sorcerers, don't they? Is that what they call them these days? I think so. 
pretty much everyone over here is a bonafide wizard. They just sit in the libraries all day and night, and then they go out to the practice fields, and then they play around with the magic, and then after a while it gets to them. You know, some some kids like Harkle over there, that that kid's a prodigy. That kid's super young, but man, he's he's hell of an accomplished wizard. Aren't you somewhat of a prodigy yourself? Pro- prodigy? A little bit. I mean, like I said, I've been playing around with random shit since I was a kid. I suppose, you know, instead of, instead of reading about it, I just kind of, you know... Randomly did yeah, you ever when you were a kid you ever think you could like you know move a move a door or maybe you lift a cup out of the air or something like that and you just kind of like fool around and focus on it it's kind of like that I was just like hey that thing is dead let's bring it back to life and there it is I mean I guess I kind of did that but I was I was really trying to move the the locks on my door oh yeah I didn't really have a good childhood Anyway, what did you need us for? All right, no, no, word on the street. You guys looking for some new, uh, some new shit, right? Some new, uh, new little pew pews. <laughs> well, yeah, just trying to expand our arsenal and got some, uh, we've got some heavy things that we got to deal with in the future, and it's not a bad idea to be a bit more versatile. All right, yeah, no, I understand. Now I, uh, I focus on the. Uh, the necromantic spells, if you catch my drift. So, you know, really? I thought this. I thought the, I know who would have thought, but I figured you and the big guy could, uh, you know, benefit from a little bit of this shit. So, hey, you, you come over here. Wait, you, you ain't, you ain't talk to me that much. Uh, don't really talk that much in general until I get to know you. Okay, well, I'm Clancy. I raised chickens. You know, you killed one of them. But uh. I- I guess raised is kind of the word for it. I was talking to uh, I was talking to Charlie last night. You learned uh, learned that green flame blade spell from her, right? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. Hey, listen, I got one for you. If you're interested in getting rid of some of your old shit, really? What? All right, so. Every once in a while, them 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 prick wolves come over over yonder, and you put like points beyond the crappy cornfields. Every once in a while, you know, and I, I'm too lazy to get out of bed. I you know I hear them coming, and you know, even though the freaking chickens are dead and the cows are dead, they don't give a shit. They just kind of smell the rotten meat and try to try to go to town on it. So I kind of develop something. Uh, I just kind of look out the window and I focus real hard, and uh, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just hear these bells. And it, it, it damn sure spooks them, but, you know, I get the impression it actually does a little bit of, you know, maybe gives them a migraine, too, or something. That does sound really cool. So it's more of a more of a mind-over-matter thing. It's kind of like that thing, you know, I learned it when I was young, too, but, uh, you know, I got some notes on it. We can, we can brush up on that shit if you want. Definitely. All right, yeah, come on, come on in, the brings you over there's like a little egress that goes into like the house that's next to the barn it's like this little tiny like looks like it could be just like a two-bedroom house kind of setup so uh for the next like hour or so nix is left to just wander around the farmstead and uh after a little while uh nix you hear you hear like a creaky door open and you see both of them come out from the house he goes he goes see if you could do it on him Okay. 
So you have uh, Toll the Dead replacing Shock and Grasp now. Oh my god. <laughs> You're gonna make him cast it on me? Yep. Dingus. Look, I don't Look think it's gonna up. hurt that bad. I got some potions if you're really hurting, but uh, the best way to really figure this out is to actually use it. Look, I hope you're. I hope you got this under control, Clancy. I, I'll admit I can't take much as far as damage is concerned. Oh, it's I mean, a shame. On... You, you and I are gonna be doing some crazier shit in a little bit. Well, yeah, I, that's in okay, but like I might put on a bravado. But really, I'm I'm delicate as wet paper. <laughs> Try not to get hit. Relax. What's the worst that's gonna happen? You're gonna die. I'm a necromancer. No, the worst that's gonna happen is I'm gonna take some damage from Thrym. I can't kill my ally, but you're kind of a non-issue, so I might end up, you know, killing you. Ah, uh, you know, if you guys didn't kill me before, I ain't too worried about it now. We didn't kill you before because you just seem to be this harmless little idiot playing with necromancy. Now I know you're an accomplished source, you know, an accomplished mage. Ah, uh, I'm an accomplished mage idiot. You don't need to be all sweet about it. All right. There all right. Is. So, so you're, um, let's see. I'm looking at your shit. So our boy Nix needs to uh, beat a. 12. I gotta reset reason. my stats. We've had a couple of long rests since then. I gotta make sure everything's back up to par. That should be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, through I'm looking at your stuff right now, you have a spell save DC of 12. Yep. So he needs to succeed on a wisdom saving throw. A wisdom saving throw and has to beat 12. Do you want me to roll it now, or, you know, wait for him to figure out his psychic bells? Oh, no, he's he, he's good now. Just brace for it. All right. 20. 20. <laughs> <laughs> so so all, all three of you hear these, like, very bass-heavy, like, dong, dong, dong. And Nick starts looking around like, okay... Got real noisy in here for some reason. Ah, uh, you ain't you, you don't feel like you know your brain's gonna ooze out of your ears or nothing. No, no it, it, it's a little loud, but not that bad. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend casting this spell if you guys are trying to sneak around or nothing. But anyway, you did it right. You did it right, Thrym. It's uh, you know, sometimes you, especially against a spellcaster, it won't always work. Yeah. All right, Thrym, you can. Bell me to death later. <laughs> Alright, so you swapped out your other uh, candy. He's like, hey, if you don't mind, big guy, I think I got uh, I got something I can teach him as well. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, we was talking, and, uh, you know, I think I got something new I could teach you if you're interested in. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a got a couple things I don't really use all that often, haven't proven too useful. Well, like you were saying, and maybe this could actually help, kind of thinking about it the other day, a lot of times, you know, when you are, when you're a caster and you're kind of getting, you know, beat to shit, sometimes you need a little pick-me-up. Um, this can kind of do a little bit of both. You ready? Sure, what do you got? This is, 
this this might hurt a little bit. And he reaches over and Clancy's wearing like these like work gloves to protect his hands from when he's like hammering and shit. He takes off the one on his right hand and then like slams it down on your chest. <coughs> Ow. Hey, remember, wet paper. And that is my apologies. Better apologize, just smack me in the chest. And that is a 21 to hit. Well, fuck you! It's a... Yeah, that hits. <laughs> okay. I don't know who's getting attacked. Yeah. Like I said, man, it's the best way to learn. And that is... Uh, six points of necrotic damage. Why Why does and, it feel like my chest is, like, dying? Uh, because I am literally taking energy out of your body and giving it to me. How do I learn that? Alright, so, it's mostly... It's like... You ever play with one of them elastic bands? They don't have those a lot too much around here. Like, you pull it back, there's like a little... And then you let go, and it snaps back to you, right? It kind of sounds like the tongue from a hook horror, so yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, kind of like that. Oh, shit, you can use those for, like, elastic down there? Oh, you don't want to. They're typically disgusting, but yeah, you, I guess. I heard about them. They, you know, shit. But anyway, sorry, I got off track. That sounds fucking cool, but... Imagine taking energy, shoving it into someone, and then ripping it back out. It's kind of like that. They call it, uh, you know, everyone calls it a little something fancy, but I call it vampiric touch. I, I mean, I like the sound of it. I mean, it's like sticking a blade in someone, pulling it back out, and, I don't know, finding some food at the end of your blade. Thrym, you yeah. know about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'd kind of just eat eat them afterwards. Right. That's what I mean. So a little while later after, you know, he, he goes into, like, the more specific things. It's it's a lot from memory. He doesn't have it written down like he did with the information for Thrym. Uh, but he, he he's just kind of just talking with you over it. And a few times he kind of just, like, wanders off and, like, applies another, like, couple nails to a, to a board. And you're kind of getting the impression he's just kind of riffing this whole project out here. And finally he goes back. He's like, God, do you have a solid grasp? You think you want to try it out? Sure, I'll give it a shot. All right, shit. Go, fucking hit me. Hold so up, it's on, a, I'm reading the spell. Yep. So just that melee spell attack right there. There's some melee spell attack. Oh, sir. 3d6. Yep. Your hit points equal to half the amount you deal. Mm-hmm. And it's a concentration. Uh-huh. So, like, I can cast this ahead of time, and then any time during the combat up to a minute, I can do this. I mean, there's some risk-reward to it. You gotta think about, uh, you know, you're gonna be kind of next to the enemy you're kind of doing it to, so you gotta kind of weigh that shit, too. So, you know, make sure the big guy's kind of near you to kind of take a little bit of uh, tension, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but it'll be really good in a pinch. If I'm surrounded or something, it might help me out, and I only got to use the spell slot once. That's it. All right. Anyway, fucking do it. Hit me. Yeah, yeah, and I slap him in the face. 
Okay. What do I use for a modifier on this? Is it still a spell attack it's, modifier? Yeah it's, just your, yeah, it's just your spell attack modifier. Alright, so 14. 14. So you you go and essentially bitch slap him for the pain that he caused you earlier. And you, you, as soon as your hand hits his face, it's like almost like two magnets smack together. And you just feel the energy you pushed into his face. And then you just pull and rip it back out. And now you can do your damage. Uh, eight points of necrotic damage. So you get four hit points back. All right. I'm not going to argue with that. With how oh. little HP I have, that's a, that's a measurable percentage. Oh, man, I thought you were going to, like, get me in the chest or something. That fucking hurt like a bee sting. Shit. Hey, you're the one that smacked me in the chest. This is only fair. Like I said, it's the only good way of showing y'all how to do this shit. And this is the only good way I feel comfortable practicing this spell. I mean, you know, that is kind of insult to injury, don't you think? That's pretty good. Don't you love it? I mean, you know, imagine you try, you just punch someone in the balls, and then you cast that and just rip it right out there. Just some ideas. I've never done it myself. I'm not one to really touch people's balls, but yeah, okay. Yeah, it's kind of my thing, too. You don't want to go near there. It's probably, you know, no. leave a smell on your hands or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't... No, you use your feet for that. You kick them in the balls. Ah, well, usually I'm not close enough to do it, but, you know. Yeah, I maybe tend I to can stay make, away from... Yeah. Maybe I can make one of the cows do it or something. Speaking of which, you ever milk an undead cow? I don't think I want to. Nah, I'm just kidding. You can't do shit with it. Like, this, like, black viscous shit comes out of it. You don't want to do that. Get the hell off my farm. What does it taste like? Uh, what? The... The, the milk. I don't, I don't fucking know. It looks disgusting. It just kind of like drips out of there. You haven't really looked at my cows, have you? But you never thought to try it? Ah, no. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't either. I'm, I'm fucking, fucking weird, but you. you know, I'm not that weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd touch it either. I mean, I love my animals, but they, they're freaking disgusting looking. You can say that again. Disgusting. Anyway, I'll see y'all at the uh, Ivan Mansion later. I gotta, you know, put a couple boards on here and uh, attempt to feel accomplished today. Alright, well, then thanks for the tutoring. Yeah, my pleasure. You guys have been, you know, pretty cool, so figure I'd do a little something-something to help you out. Yeah. What yeah, boards you are know. you looking... What boards are you looking to replace? Oh, just all them nasty ones over there, and you look up and a lot of them have just, like, like, termite damage to them. They're all kind of porous. Can I reach them? Uh, yeah, yeah. He was doing some that were, like, just, a, like, shoulder high on him. So you can easily just, like... Yeah, I'll, I'll just pull them out for him. Oh, thanks, man! Shit, that's gonna save me a little bit of trouble. Less, uh, less opportunity for me to fall off the damn ladder, you know? <clears throat> yeah, falling's never fun. No, all it right, is just... not. I'm going to walk up to Clancy. I'm going to swing my hand real fast at his face and then stop an inch away. Pat him on the shoulder and cast Cure Wounds. All of a sudden, he, like, flinches like he's just prepared for it. And then you see, like, this relief goes over his face as, like, the the injury has gone away. Oh, man, you guys are cool. Yeah, no hard feelings, bud. No, not at all. But hey, man, if you ever teach some people, you know, be sure to kind of mess with them a little bit, you know? 
Isn't that what I just did? Yeah. And that is it for that day. So you guys return. Um, another day passes, and now armed with that information, you know, learning those spells have been kind of exhausted for you, both of you guys. So you kind of just chilled out. Nix, you probably that night um, identified where the library was, um, but you were you were just kind of tired to do it. Um, for now, your sleep schedule has kind of gotten adjusted to everyone else sleeping, so, you know, the, the light's been a pain in the ass for you, um, but not too crazy. Yeah, but where we're from, you, you sleep when you have a chance. Yep, that's true. It's not so much cycles, it's when are you tired? Okay, go lay down. And then, so the next day, uh, next you, um make your presence known in uh, one of the archive areas. Uh, you notice a couple of them on the second floor. Um, it's mostly separated into the different schools of magic. So you see, you know, a lot of, like, blue-cloaked people being in the place you're at, a lot of, like, uh, red-cloaked people and yellow-cloaked people in the other ones. So it's, it's like everyone goes there to study, like, their specialty of magic. Right. Um... And so you are able to identify someone who looks like they kind of, like, facilitate it. And he walks right up to you with, like, this minorly, like, pompous attitude with you. Uh, it looks like a, a middle-aged human with, like, this, like, weird long goatee. And he goes, oh, you're uh, Nix, is that it? Yes, and you are? Uh, Jonas, Jonas Tanner. Hello, Jonas. Jonas Tanner. <laughs> just, just, just Jonas. Uh, Nix. Is that? That's a rather short, quaint name. And set. From from what I know about Drow, they tend to have longer names. Has that always been your name? I don't care for my given name. Ah. Let's leave it at that. Well, I understand that. Everyone in my family has literally been a tanner until I decided to leave and come here, so... Ah, families, right? Yes, families. Anyway, uh, what, what, what brings you to this, this archive? I am looking for any information that you have on Veron, his sister, uprisings against Loth anything you have about the history in that regard. Oh, Veyron, he was a... He was a minor god of the Underdark, is that correct? Yes. Ah, ah. I don't... See... I know I know you're new here, so don't, don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of us wizards, most of us are all here wizards, a couple random druids kind of hang out, but... Uh, we're all more invested in the power inside of ourselves rather than the power of the gods. We acknowledge they exist, we acknowledge they help, but we tend to focus more on the internal. Um, that being said, uh, these libraries don't necessarily go into uh, religious aspects. Uh, how, however, let, let me take a look around. I may be able to find something for you or send you in the right direction. Um, Your so... archmage had expressed knowledge in former confrontations in this matter. That you must have more than one book 
Uh, Warfare, on the other hand, uh, we have it rather extensively. Actually, follow me. It's it's right over here. He brings you down, and everything is like, like, super super quiet in here. Obviously, everyone, you know, you see a couple people at tables, and they're scrolling through books. A couple of like the more like hoity-toity ones have their books open, and the and the pages are moving by themselves. People are jotting down notes. You see, actually, you see a couple wizards. Uh, it looks like they're duplicating uh, spell scrolls into um, their their uh, books and little little handbooks and stuff. So occasionally, as you're walking by them, you see like the scroll just immediately like burn up and just disappear as they had finished it all. So you're kind of seeing the process of how wizards are uh, absorbing a lot of magic into their repertoire. Yeah, but that's nothing they, new to me. No. And he brings you over to the, this rather large extent of books, and you're like like eight feet tall. There's those little ladders to kind of get up, and it's just filled with like warfare, and mostly focusing on like uh, magical aspects of it, really like tactics and things like that in regards to magic. And he goes, "Oh, did he say in particular any conflict you were interested in?" It had to do with his sister. Daughter of Loth. Moon something. Oh, Moonbow. Potentially. Ah. I'm looking for more history than tactics. I I, I know how to fight. Well, there, there's a couple of... Uh... A warrior. Ah. He'd be interested in this then. But more of just... It, it's a little drab for my taste but anyway now if you're if you're looking for there are bits and pieces inside this section that account for those conflicts um if you'd like me to look into um where to find things on uh the lunar lady i can i can go and take care of that if you want to peruse these sure i'll take a look at these while you find whatever you can sure see so you um, look around, and you remember the, the the conflict being called the War of Many Caves, from what Archmage Juritan had kind of, like, spoken to you about. Yeah, and... but I can't for the life of me remember that woman's name. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you are, uh, you're, you're looking through that, and so you find a, a bunch of different books, and you're just kind of filtering, and you're taking your time. You're not, like, rushing through this, um... And, you know, you spent a good amount of hours going through this, and, and the, the gist of the information that you're able to find is that the drow have for centuries and centuries been a constant worry for the surface world. Um, wars, raids, and skirmishes have all been common in the past. It's really, uh, it's not an uncommon thing. It's about as common a lot of times from what you're gathering from flipping through pages is really like bandit attacks and wildlife attacks is that there's a the potential to run into a drow raid. Um, most of them are very small skirmishes and you're you're getting the impression that when there's a war that this this involves many of the houses like they come out it's like it's like you you like kicked a hornet's nest and they all rush out. Um, and the war of many caves was the last major conflict on the surface. Um, what you're can gathering... Find, can I find anything specifically referencing House Fangrel? 
Um, not in these books, no. Um, okay. Really, all of the terminology that you're getting from this, because that that old phrase of history is, you know, told by the victors and all that stuff, that for the yeah. most part, the, the wording in this, and this, you know, this was maybe written, you know, forever ago, because these d books are mostly all kind of, you know, a little bit dusty and... and have terminology they're essentially pretty racist against drow um they, they are the scourge they are the the boogeymen in the middle of the night that will steal your children from their beds that's the kind of like uh, terminology that they use in this um that's so bad every time a new dark elf sighting would happen um a an organization called the lord's alliance a faction that is based out of neverwinter would send troops to discover where they emerged from and collapse the cave mouth. Because a lot of times they would find a way to the surface from the Underdark, creep out in the night, do what they're doing, and then go back. Um, but they discovered that a uh, proven effective strategy was just collapse the cave. Uh, mainly just at the mouth, because if they did not have a way to escape, uh, they didn't leave their caves. Um... As you've been kind of looking through this, you've discovered two other major conflicts in the past um, that involve the Dark Elves invading the surface. Uh, the first one you discover was 300 years ago called the War of Hushed Whispers. And 450 years ago called the War of Shadows. As you're flipping through this and you're kind of just, you know, absorbing all of this and you're, you're seeing uh, history from a different side here where in, in your past, all, all, all that's ever been told is, is the victories that the drow had accomplished on the surface of all the spoils of all the slaves. Um, you really never heard too much about uh, failures and uh, massive amounts of drow death. But reading these books, you're you're getting the impression that a lot of these skirmishes and these wars never worked in their favor. But somehow they were just lured to the surface and weird shit happened when it did. You discover the War of Shadows was the closest that they had ever come to overtaking the surface. Flipping through, you read, a large amount of drow were able to move unnoticed across the world without detection eventually causing sieges in Neverwinter, Luskin, and Mirabar, the three major military powers on the Sword Coast. With those three uh, giant cities uh, sieged, um, the only way they were getting in supplies were um, Mirab um, Luskin and Neverwinter had like their ports to deliver supplies, but Mirabar uh, ended up taking the brunt of that because it's landlocked. Um, and the other one it discussed was the War of Hushed Whispers. Um, it was a deadly war, but it was thwarted more easily than the other one. Um, Mirabar had experimers before giant sinkholes appeared all around the city. Um, something that they called Sirlon Diggers. And I'll have you roll a history check on that phrase. Thirteen. Thirteen. That that name is very familiar, though you've never seen one in person. So with with that history check and you kind of thinking back to your previous life, you you know about them, but you've never seen them. Uh, Sirlon diggers are 
these creatures that are are bred to dig very fast and quick tunnels, able to burrow through rock and soil straight to the surface. Um, you know it was more of like a shock trooper type deployment, um, but massive amounts of Sirlon diggers have been known in the past to uh, ferry like small to moderate sized armies to the surface as well. Um, besides that, they don't normally keep them like wandering around Menzo Berenzin. They're kind of a uh, uh, most of the higher houses tend to uh, have corrals full of them, and wherever they go, you like I said, you've never seen one uh, before. So the Sirlon diggers um, created giant sinkholes around the city that caused um, the armies of the Drow to uh, displace the citizens. Essentially, they took over the town. Um, until they were routed from the city a few months later. Um, as you're reading, um, you finally are able to get to a couple, like, assumptions and kind of musings about how the wars were won. Like, in the, these, these things talk about the success of the drow being sent back, but not until this point where you're realizing that one common thing tied all these wars together is after a while, a very short while, um, infighting amongst the drow seemed to cause the most casualties. And this either caused most of the armies and squads to be thinned out and destroyed or distracted in time for counterattacks to be uh, inflicted upon them as well, pushing them back into the Underdark. Um, in, in your time, you've, you've never heard of it like that. Whenever armies had returned victorious from the surface, um, it was just a common occurrence in your society that the, the fodder males and the kobolds and the, the minor races they sent were all just cannon fodder to be slaughtered out there. So that way you, they could wear down the armies and then take over a target. Um, everything that you're reading on this is essentially these armies were utterly obliterated and they were sent packing back to their homes, but you had never ever heard it like this before. Of the victories, they, were, they weren't victories. They were wholesale slaughter on the drow as they were just pushed to their deaths and you get, you get the infighting. There's always infighting between the great houses um, but seemingly something happened on the surface where they entire armies would rather fight each other than the places they were taken over. And you kind of lean back in your chair and you wonder if the drow weren't so worried about status with Lolth and cared more about working together, they could have actually taken over the surface. But this unusual amount of infighting and gaining favor with the Queen of Spiders really is what causes, caused the downfalls of all three of these major wars. As you're leaning back, the, the sun's going down at this point. You've been up here for a while. Um, Jonas Tanner comes rushing back to you and he goes, oh, the, uh, the library next door might have, uh, have some things. Uh, they have a small religious section you might be able to peruse if you'd like. Uh, I also found this. This this should have been brought over earlier, and I happen to see you over here. This this might give you a little bit more insight. And he hands you a uh, a scroll. <clears throat> Interesting. What is what's the scroll? What um, is this? 
Uh, I have this registered as a uh, an ex excerpt from a siege at Luskin. Um, here, go go ahead and just leave it with the books you're not going to get anymore. I'll, I'll have somebody take care of that later. All right. I appreciate your help. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. He uh, kind of wanders off and he starts, you just see him a couple tables over putting stuff away. And you unfold this scroll and it's it's really, really old, but something is just kind of holding it together. And you read right up at the top that um, this is from someone called Battlemaster Vengar Battlehorn. And oh it, my. It <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Bye. Battlemaster Vengar. Vengar Battlehorn. I take it this guy liked to fight. He, boy, loved to fight. So it is, uh, it's almost like a, it's written out to be almost like a, a journal chapter. And you, you begin to read it. Uh, yeah. my, my squadron in shambles, the walls closing, close to falling. Uh, the healers were flat out exhausted and supplies weren't coming from Neverwinter. All hope seemed lost. Brendan and Pike are missing. I, I think they deserted. I climbed to the top of the crumbling tower to survey the army, preparing to attack as the sun went down. Before I reached the top, I heard and felt a large boom from out in the field where the armies rested. I rushed to the top and peered over carefully. In the dim light, I saw armies moving. I thought it was the end. But to my shock, the armies weren't rushing the town, but each other. I saw dark flames and flashes of bright light where the armies clashed. They were fighting amongst each other. Sudden booms like lightning came from the skies, and in the growing darkness I saw creatures with many legs, heard unnatural roars, and then screams. The screams still haunt me the most, something I'll never be able to get out of my head. I don't know how much time passed, but not a single spell or bolt was thrown at the city that night. Silence engulfed the area outside the walls. A long sleepless night later, as the sun came up, it brought with it a grisly scene of random limbs, pools and pools of blood, and holes in the ground. Not a single live drow was to be found. The holes appeared to be tunnels for retreating forces as we later found out. Just like that. No more fighting. All those pointless deaths. For what? At the bottom of it, you see another, like, uh, scratching of, like, really messy handwriting saying that this is to be filed amongst, like, military tactics and war against Drow. So it looks like this this excerpt was, like, gifted to the uh, the library here. Archivist Tanner. Yeah, yes, yes. He scampers over to you. Do you know where I could find any more information on the siege at Luskin? Um, I don't think so. Not here. Um, this this is any... a, a rather vague one. I I don't know. Oh, well, either going to Luskin itself, they'd have I'm sure a uh, large uh, area on that, or any one of the three major cities would potentially have uh, things on that. Uh, Neverwinter has one of the largest libraries in the world. If you were interested in visiting. Well, we do have plans to go to Neverwinter. Oh, yes. No, you should definitely check it out. I may have to visit Luskin in my travels as well. 
He's like, oh, well, are you all set here? Are you going to be going over to the other library? Or are you yeah. going to be resting? No, if this is if this is all you have, I'll continue my research at the other building. Absolutely. Hope you'll find what you're looking for. Yeah, I hope so, too. Thank you again for your help. My pleasure. So, you go over to the other library, and you don't seem to be finding somebody, but... Um, Right away, just kind of reading off the different sections here, uh, you find a very small section on essentially what are like religious books uh, or what could be described as that. A lot of it um, seemingly were are related to, um, pardon me, uh, like druid uh, gods and how uh, they, of course, draw power from them. But of course, like he had said before, and you're really kind of getting this, these are books like geared for wizards, like to absorb the knowledge. A, a lot of them have, you know, spells that could be copywritten onto things, things that are important to wizards and not necessarily other casters. Um, yeah. Hence, you know, it's just it's just what Long Saddle is. It's wizards. Um, I'm looking for more history than I am science. So you, you do kind of decide to look through this. Now, without the help of somebody here, um, sifting through the books now, uh, I will have you roll a religion check to see. So are, what uh, what's the topic you're you're going for here? Specifically, if, if I can, any, any interactions that have ha- happened with Veyron, any... Any instances where someone may have documented a potential a potential interaction with him? He's he's known for interacting with his followers, for being more for being more active with his followers, and I want to see if there if if anybody's actually talked about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your research is just uh, pretty broadly just looking for experts on on Veyron at this point. At this point, yeah. Okay, and then you were also interested in. Uh... Sehanin Mumbo? A little slower. Uh, Sehanin Mumbo. Sure. I'll put a... That one. I'll put a spelling in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. On the good old Discord for you. Sehanin Mumbo. Yeah, I can't. I can't. It's yeah, that's, a, a, that's a rough it's one, a tongue, right? <laughs> it's a tongue twister for me. I just can't. All right. All right so, so, yeah. We'll go with the uh, Veyron. So, just for a Veyron look... Uh, roll me a, a religion check. Religion. And add in um, your... Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, your proficiency modifier is already added in there. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. just roll that. Roll that beautiful uh, bean footage. 14. 14. Um, so at first, uh, you get kind of frustrated because as you go through, um, th- these are all the basic gods of the surface. You, you've got... Um, You've got some dwarven gods. You've got um, Aron. He's a, he's a god of the dead for druids. And you realize that book is a complete load of garbage, so you throw that aside. Um, some on Kord. Some on... Um, I'm drawing a mind blank on the dwarven god there, the big one. I think it's Moradin. I think it's Moradin. Anyway, so you go through, and finally you do start to get um, some descriptions as, as uh, again, the, these books seem to swing into the conflicts with these wars. Um, 
you, you, you've seen a few other, you know, wars against other nations and stuff like that. Like, the Sword Coast isn't really, like, a nation-y area of the world you're getting. That it's mostly just, like, these, like, city-states that exist. Um, and they tend to bind together to fight off larger threats. And one of the most prevalent, as you're discovering, are, like, the, the followers of Lolf. Um, you're, what you're discovering is that when they do talk about Lolf, um that v Veyron is found to be a minor supportive god of Lolf. This is old information that you know is p p really outdated after what you know about. Um, but one of the interesting things you discover is after a while you start getting to some more updated stuff that was maybe written in the last like 150 years that um, something happened and then after, right after the War of Shadows... Uh, Veyron immediately like separated from being a supportive god of Lolf. And the only thing you're really able to see is that there are random excerpts of, uh, of excerpts of conjecture to wonder what happened to that god and even if he still exists. Um, a little while later, um, shuffling from book to book, you discover small, more small excerpts that go into detail on Veyron himself. Um, most of the information you're finding is actually from uh, drow captives that they've interviewed, and you're starting to get the impression they've used things like Zone of Truth and probably some torture to get information out of these drow captives. Um, you're getting the impression after reading a couple points of it in a book that most drow captives refused to talk at all. They were just silent. But you, they started to notice a pattern that a few of them couldn't help but spit out the scripture of Lolf and how it was coming to cleanse the surface and plunge it into darkness. Uh, during one of these interviews, if you would call them, they actually labeled this at 455 years ago a certain loose-lipped drow spoke of the coming of the Lord of Shadow. That the son of Loth would work together with his mother to help him rid the world of light. He claimed his followers were as greater, great or as greater as, as Loth were, and to fear them more than the Queen of Spiders. As you, as you read up on that, another story that really is the complete opposite um, another Dark Elf freely spoke with his captor and laughed when Veyron was brought up. The drow spoke of betrayal and treachery, how Lolf had eliminated Veyron's followers after he incited rebellion against her. And you... What was your role again? Fourteen. Fourteen. And with that, uh, I have a whole bunch of different things here. And the final part that you're able to kind of decipher after many hours of finding little bits and pieces in between uh, chunks of books is that uh, another elf spoke of something called the Shades of Veyron. That he was not an enemy of the surface and how they were being used to thwart Loth's wars against the surface and cause even more infighting again amongst the drow. Um... According to this drow, the Shades of Veyron went as far as to speak with other people's 
worshippers to give them information to be used against the Queen of Spiders. And then a, 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 a small note on the bottom of one of the scribbled pieces, uh, another one of those, like, you know, somebody just scribbled a note in there, wonders if Veyron had something to do with the War of Hust Whispers failing for the drow because of him. So at that point, you're you're kind of going through and your, your interest kind of moves on um, to um, Sehenin Moonbow. So I will have you roll another religion check to be kind of spotting references to her in the same books. Thirteen. Thirteen. Um, yet, yet again, it's it's not all this like very in-depth information, but you're finding small chapters here and there on uh, Sehenin Munbo. They also call her the Lunar Lady. Um, that she has been a goddess of the elves for countless millennia. Um, clerics are especially drawn towards worshipping her. And from what you're reading, she will always send her champions or bestow power if it is to help fight the drow. And then you finally get to this amazing portion and your your eyes are wide as you begin to read this. Um, you're, you're now yielding a lot more information of a being named Arashni and her sister... Sehenin Moonbow. Many, many millennia ago, Arashni attempted to overthrow a god named Karelin, who was the creator of all elves. Sehenin thwarted the attempt, and Karelin exiled Arashni to the demon web pits. Arashni renamed herself Loth and began the eternal plotting of taking over the surface world and eradicating all life especially elves, to have her revenge on Corellin. And with that information, you feel very close to being exhausted from seeing so many words and phrases and chapters, and your your fingers have little, like, paper cuts on them from flipping through everything. Yeah, that's the least of my concerns. A few paper cuts isn't going to stop me. So during that time, Thrym. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure Nick's probably told you where he was going. Um, so during that time, um, something's really been kind of getting to you, and you finally figured out what it is. It's it's the friggin' giant ball of light in the sky. And how, you know, every single time you're out, like, you're starting to worry that's becoming a, a more of a, a tactical disadvantage for you. That you're not, you know, in, in the heat of battle, that could actually prevent you from landing your blows and thus putting you and your friend in danger. So after a little while, you, um, you start to kind of ask around... And, you know, you, you, you and Nyx have had enchantments in the past where, you know, you were able to kind of help shield your eyes from the harshness of the sunlight. Um, and a couple people kind of get it. Um, but you're still not satisfied with that. You, you want more of a, a permanent solution to this rather than uh, recasting magic every single time or finding someone who can. 
Um, so that eventually leads you um, to one of the uh, very rare druids that kind of wander the uh, the hall. And that brings you to uh, Aluris. And you find Luris in, in one of the mess halls. Someone points her out to you. And it's like this very, like, almost emaciated looking elf. Um, a little on the short side. And as you approach her, she's finishing her meal. And she looks up at you. And she looks a little bit wiry. And, like, kind of kind of on, like, the hyperactive side. And she looks up at you and be like, Hey, you're, you're, you're Thrym, right? Yeah. Have a seat. Have a seat. Sit next to me. Come on. Let's talk. I'll sit down. What? Uh, come over to me. What? What? What's? What's going on? Well, I spent all of my life, except for the last few months, underground in that giant fucking ball of fire or whatever it is up there. It just makes things a lot harder. And someone cast a spell on me at one point. Actually, he did it a couple times where it made it... Well, it made it so I could just look around and things would be normal. But it only lasted like a day or two. I'm looking for that, but like more permanent because... It's harder to fight, it's harder to look around, it's just... Harder to do everything when it's out. Okay, um... Would you believe... That that big fucking thing in the sky is actually a sphere. And the place we're at right now rotates around that sphere, causing day and night. Would you believe me? Sounds kind of cool. Oh, it's, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Anyway, I think I got something for you. Just come, 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 come with me. I, it's, I have something I could do. It, it would be permanent, but, um, I've done it once or twice before, if you're interested. Yeah, I'm interested. All right. So as she's talking to you, she, she begins to talk to you about um, something that she calls algae. And the way she talks about this algae is that in, in almost all the water that you've ever drunk in your entire life, there have been these small, tiny, like, creatures that you could never see. And I'll leave it up to you whether or not you think at this point this woman's talking absolute bullshit. But by the time you get back to where she kind of has her like her little quarters, um, she believes by by putting algae into your eyes, uh, they would be able to help you with sunlight. So these little creatures that I can't see at all are gonna help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. So, all right, sit, sit down, sit down. Come on, come on in. Let me, let me, let me get them for you. And she goes over, and she has like this little bottle. And inside this little bottle, it, it has a cork on it, and it looks like it has like a, a mat of moss floating on. Uh, it looks like this very crystal clear water, and you can see like these little like, like almost like baby fish are kind of like swimming around in it. So, all right, so, all right, so this 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 algae, right? Um. What happens is the sunlight comes out and hits it, and this stuff absorbs uh, the energy coming off the big fucking ball in the sky, right? Um, when that happens, uh, they get a little darker. They're filling up with energy. Um, so 
thing is, you you put that in your eyes. If you go out down to the sunlight, and it should actually protect you from that. Okay, Threat reaches into his pocket, pulls out a coin, flips it, catches it, looks at it, and goes, okay, let's do it. Okay. So, warning you, one side effect of this will be you, you might have a little bit more of an issue seeing in the dark. Uh, how big of an issue? Uh... Look, you know, I'm 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 well aware of, you know, I, I transform into animals occasionally. That's just kind of my thing, and I understand when I'm a, when I'm a, a wolf, I can see easier at night, or you know, a couple other of the predators have easier time seeing at night. Uh, the couple people I did this to before, um, they were kind of the you know trial examples of this. Uh, said that they they are still able to see in black and white but just not as far, about half as much as they were before. Seems like it's worth it. All right, yeah, if you're interested, I can do that. Yeah. All right, why don't you, uh... uh that bed's way too small. Uh, I guess, hold hold on. She runs over, grabs a pillow for you. It's like, put, put your head right here. I'll do as instructed. So she uh, goes over, she brings that like bottle over and she places it on the ground um she reaches into a pouch and she pulls out um a very thin like looking barb she goes this is a you know one of those giant hornet needles but uh this might actually do the trick so she she just takes like a dropper and reaches into that bottle and pulls out a little bit of that liquid and then she begins to like like plinkle it into the needle itself she goes, okay, this might hurt a little bit, but uh, I'm going to put this in your eye and then the algae will go in. Is that okay? I'm no stranger to pain. All right, let's do it. She looks like super excited that this is happening. So um, about an hour later, she, she had injected both of your eyes with this algae. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of waning on the end of the day. But as soon as like you kind of look towards the window, it's it's quite essentially just meta. It's it's like transition lenses, like the the sunlight's hitting your eyes, and it's almost like the algae begins to adjust itself to uh, to prevent it from getting too harsh for you. Dude, you you got tattooed transition lenses. <laughs> you got you got your eyeballs tattooed. Like, I mean, you, th you think you think the scarification is badass? You got your eyeballs tattooed. <laughs> Fucking hell! Tattoos are awesome. Tattoos are badass. <clears throat> yeah, I'll look at her and be like, "Seems to be working pretty well." Oh, excellent. Um, I don't expect any side effects. I don't think it happened with the other ones. Uh, it might actually prevent, uh, you know, other issues with your eyes like ever you know you ever get that weepiness in your eyes probably from like wiping your butt or something uh, no I mean no? I, I tend to someone hits me directly in the nose my eyes will water oh that's I think it's some sort of weird infection that happens but you know you might actually be uh, a little bit protected against that now too 
Okay. okay. He's trying to tell me this wizard's got a UTI. <laughs> <laughs> One more pig guy. Pretend to that. Yeah. Resistant to pink eye. Hooray! Yeah! <laughs> like, resistance you, you, to a minor, a minor preventable disease that goes away after a little bit. And with that, Luris kind of shakes your hand and is just, she seems like very happy to help you. Um, and, and now at this point, both of you have really seen through the past couple days, you guys haven't really left the Ivy Mansion that much throughout this, but you really understood that these people are are not here to uh, fuck with you. They're here to help. So, am I still with that lady? Um, yeah, yeah. You would have been st- you would have been kind of just thanking her at that point. I, I'm gonna look at her. You said you could turn into animals. Yeah. Uh, a lot of druids do that. Can I see it? Um, sure. Uh, but please don't ask her to turn into a gnome. That's a humanoid, not an animal. <laughs> um, did you have anything in mind, or? Uh, I mean, I don't really know a lot about the animals up here, but I have fought a wolf. Oh, it was wolf. a dire wolf, but. Oh damn! You don't really have any scars from that, do you? They tend to uh, latch on and leave all sorts of shit on your skin. He d- never made it that far. Oh. Damn. Yeah, I can yeah, I turn to a bear if you want to see a bear. That sounds cool. I don't know what those are, but... <laughs> so in her excitedness, she's like, like over near her table. She immediately like closes her eyes and like her arms go limp. And immediately like her clothes get absorbed as immediately this like melding occurs and the table gets knocked over as this girth suddenly slams against it. Shit goes flying everywhere and just standing in front of you is like an eight foot tall giant grizzly bear that's just looking you in the eyes, but the eyes look very gentle. Well, it just slammed its girth on the table. Hey, you said it. <laughs> and then the, the bear just slowly goes up to you, Thrym, and gets on its hind legs and puts its giant paws on your shoulder and just, like, opens its mouth and just licks the front of your face. That's fucking badass. And with that, if, if bears could laugh as the, the form begins to go back into this very petite... Uh, elven form, you just hear this cackling as as the clothes that she was wearing, they were, aren't ripped or torn as you would have probably expected. And she goes, oh, thank you, that's a, that's, you know, a hell of a form if you're out in the wild, you know? Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. I mean, thanks, well, thanks for helping me with my eyes, but, like, thanks for showing me that, too. That was, that was awesome. Well, I wish I could teach you this, but, you know, Tend to tend to get this from you know other powers other than the 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 wizards here. Fair enough. But yeah, if you, I'm not sure if I can help you with anything else. But uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to help you with that. That's kind of a fun thing I get to do every once in a while. Yeah. 
Dude, thanks for helping me with my eyes. This will definitely come in handy up here. Like, yeah, my pleasure. And with that, she like escorts you out the door, and she gives you one like big firm handshake. And even though she's like this tiny little elf, like there's some like strength behind that handshake. Nope. I'll shake her hand like gently. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she appreciates that. Well, thanks again. Hey, anytime. He's like, hey, uh, that drow you're with, how, how is he? I mean, Nyx is Nyx. Like, there's good dude, he's just, you know, acquired taste. Yeah, I don't know. And she, like, puts her arms, she crosses her arms and leans up against the wall. It's, you know, all we've ever seen for the most part, you know, you occasionally get drow in, like, the cities and everything, but... You know, most of us have just ever fought and killed them. You know, I wish there was more like them who just wanted to get away from that kind of life and, you know, live up here and and just help, you know? Yeah. Me too. He helped me, well, get away from the clan he was with. I was a slave there. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, maybe uh, more will come from you guys. You... You guys are the kind of people who will kind of change the opinion on, you know, some of the, you know, rare races that you see. You know, we used to think stone giants were all bad, too. And then we started talking to that, you know, what is Granite Hollow up in the hills? And they just yeah, want to we, live out there in peace. So maybe a lot of other drow want to do it, too. Yeah, there are there are a few around. I've met a few. Well, just do what you're doing. Be kind. You know, don't harass people too much. Especially, you know, just... If people are going to kind of judge you based on the wrong things, it's better to kind of surprise them and do the opposite. I don't really care what people think about me that much. I'm just going to be me and they can make their own decision. That is a nice philosophy. I like that. Well, if talking to you is any indication, I think you're going to be perfectly fine here on the surface. That's good to know. Alright, well, I gotta get some sleep. I gotta go pick some mushrooms for some bozo down the hall. Oh. You know, thanks again. Hey, anytime. I'll see you around. See it. And with that, after after a strange couple days for all of you guys, um, Thrym, you finally meet up with Nick and actually have a a couple moments where you guys aren't just sitting together for a meal to quickly go off to do something or to essentially just fall asleep in your bunks. Trim, your eyes look different. What did you I met do? This, I met this elf chick and she made it so I could actually see and do things and not in pain when that giant fucking ball of fire is up there. Little prove useful. That's what I, I don't thought. know if I could do that. I don't I don't know that I could do that. I don't think that I would want to give up being able to see in the dark. Well, Seems up here there's a you know an even amount of bright and dark and makes sense that one of us has the advantage in the other. Well that was actually what was kind of cool about this cuz it seems it's like half light and half dark here. And from what I can tell now, and from what she told me, 
and it seems about right. I can still see in the dark at just about half the dif- distance I used to be able. That's fair. What about you? Learn anything? We live in confusing times. Veyron, a few hundred years ago, was actually an ally to Loth. And then something happened... Something happened during one of their sieges of the surface that caused him to turn on them. Caused him to turn on Loth. But there's, there's just there's not enough information. There, there aren't enough witnesses to it. And the drow prisoners of war that were interrogated couldn't give enough information to give any real context for it. Maybe... Ah, like... uh... oh, fuck, what was his name? Is it Ilganath? Ilganath? Maybe he knows something about it. I can see the DM scratching his notes right now. <laughs> I mean, maybe he I know does. We, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I know. I know we can't like talk too much for too long to for each other, but it's worth the question. Well, I only have that coin that's worth one use per day, but maybe there's a wizard here that could act as a proxy. Hmm. Maybe they could. Uh, Maybe they could magically send a letter or something. Get one back at some point. Send it off our way. I mean, if the coin does what it does, I don't see why that wouldn't work. Now, I've, I've seen higher level mages back at Sorcerer do it when they were trying to... You know, when the houses were kind of getting along and they had to interact. I mean, it's worth seeing if someone knows how to do it. Probably have to wait till tomorrow, though. I have a splitting headache from all that reading. I hate that. Yeah, I imagine you do. I mean, my, mine's usually from blows to the head, but... Yeah, I, I, I try to avoid that. Unless you're fighting golems, apparently. Look. Giant, sentient pile of rocks. Just, it didn't go my way, Okay. <laughs> I think you were just pissed off at the dragon and you just wanted to take it he's such a dick he is <laughs> he is a dick god i hate i hate people that believe themselves better than others we're all creatures we're all alive we all die some may live longer than others some may be more powerful than others but that doesn't make you better you're still gonna die what the fuck color are those scales? Like, at least most dragons look badass. I, I don't know, dirt? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking dirt dragons, man. Like dirt like, dragon. <laughs> <laughs> look like a dragon got wet and rolled around in the desert. Like, I mean, granted, I wouldn't want to get caught in his acid breath, but... Yeah, that's fair. The, the dirt dragon's still a dick. <laughs> Maybe a while before I get over that one. Muldra's the dirt dragon dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, that is a good name for last episode. <laughs> the dirt, dirt <laughs> dragon dick. <laughs> uh. Alright, so you guys are getting some shut-eye? 
Yeah, I'm yeah. turning in. Cool. Um, Restore my two health points and my two spell slots. The uh, the next morning, you um, hear this thumping on your door. It's like something's like impacting it. It doesn't sound like a knock, but something is like going bump, 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 and it's it's loud enough to kind of perk you up from your sleep. And it's it's happening just every like two seconds. Does that sound like Stumpy's tail wagging again? Wait. Who's Stumpy? Right, (laughs) I said the wrong name. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) You mean Spunky? The the dog man? Yeah, I'm I'm barely awake. Did he fuck up and turn himself into a dog again? Or like halfway? I don't know. I'm just going to use Mage Hand and open the door. What do you want? And as you do that, um, one of those red balls rears back to go do it again, and it just keeps continuing into your room. And the the red ball, first time you've actually ever heard it, but this rather, like, neutral, robotic cold voice says, Archmage Jiritin would like an audience. And the ball just floats back out the room. You could talk. Wait, wait, I don't remember the way to his room. The, the ball stops when you say that, and it's just hovering there now. Alright. Looks like the big boss wants to talk to us, Thrym. Put your pants back on. I never took them off. Gotta gotta make yourself look decent. Oh, sorry, they're, they're just as dirty as your skin. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> as I'm pulling on my mantis skin... <laughs> <laughs> that thing it's got to be like like old lobster shells and they're just they're <laughs> reeking to fucking high heaven at this point oh it probably crinkles every time he touches it oh <laughs> all right so so you uh you go up to the to the ball and it immediately as soon as you get within like one foot of it it begins to make its uh trek down the hallway and now now you're starting to remember uh, where it is, and it's, it's leading you right to Archmage Juritan's chambers, where you first met him. I'm going to knock this time. Okay. <laughs> and as you do, the, it, it's almost as if, you know, that, that fad's catching on, or you're catching on to the fad. The, the door just magically opens. So, is that <sighs> you two? Yes, you, you summoned us. Excellent. Um, have you eaten yet? Not yet. All right, we have uh, some pastries here. Uh, have a seat. I'd like to, to chat with you. And this is the first time Thrym you look, and there is a much larger chair there um, in the same, like, design as, like, the one that the Archmage and, and Nyx are sitting in. And you can, as you walk up to it and expect it, you're, you're feeling, like, this, like, tingliness coming from it. Like, there's some sort of magic cast on it. What's wrong with this chair? Oh, no, I just, uh, I made it larger for you. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. I, I feel bad. you just standing all over, just sitting on the floor. Anyway, uh, uh, dig into these. Uh, I have some water over there. You're more than welcome to that. Um, so, you've been here for a few days. Um, there's no easy way to say this, but I kind of want to hear everything. I know you've spoken with the Enchantress and kind of giving her the the gist of everything, but I still haven't heard it, and I wanted to hear uh, from you two. Uh, 
how did you come to the surface? That's a fairly long story. Like hours upon hours. Well, I imagine he has time. He's no, made it this far researching. The morning is new. We have some delightful food. Let's uh, let's get to know each other. One moment. I go over to his water and I fill my water skin and I grab a couple pastries. I they've, get up. They've and got like grab, cherries on top. Oh, I grab yeah. the rest of the pastry. Pastry. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I've got oh. two. You've got like a fucking plate. Archmage has like the tiniest little one. He's like, ah, oh, I could get more. I didn't. I forgot you were coming too. My apologies. You forgot he was coming, but you made him the chair. Well, yeah, I made him the chair, but I guess I never accounted for his belly. No one ever does. No, I feel like that's a constant thing for you too, isn't it? Yeah, I try not to walk behind him. <laughs> so, um, how much uh, do you divulge to the Archmage? That's a good fucking question. And it is not my own, it's not only my decision on this one. <laughs> <sighs> See, this would be a point where Thrym would just, like, have you talk to him. Like. Yeah. Yeah, he would. Jeriton. Yes. How much do you know of the history of the interactions between Veyron and the Drow? Oh, Veyron, that's a. Uh... I'm correct. That's one of the uh, lesser gods that used to follow Loth. Am I correct? Used to is the key. Yes, we received word, and uh, I was told you were researching in the library. Um, I have to admit, I ended up asking, um, whatever the fuck his name was. I ended up asking Jonas uh, what you wanted to research, just to kind of get a little bit more insight into you. That's partially why I brought you here, too. You were looking up uh, upon, upon the history. It must have been drastically different from the education you received down below. Education, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. That's probably a very apt word for it. Convincing hordes of slaves and, from what I can tell, fodder to fight the wars for the houses... We don't know much about the houses, but everything we've gotten is it's very matriarchal down there. Yeah, it's a tad we, unbalanced. We we don't have a lot of insight here, but from what we've heard bits and pieces that when there were females on the battlefield, it tended to sway battles quite severely. The females are given preferential treatment. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much promise or power a male may show. If a female shows an equivalent or even lesser power, she's given the teachings. She's given the resources to expand on her abilities. Men are expendable. Hmm. See, that, that, that explains it. This is one of the very rare times we've actually ever spoken to someone down there who wasn't trying to, you know screw us over or gain entrance for harm. We've had a couple in the past, you see. Hence, our trepidation with you two, no offense. Oh, you never know. 
As I flick a little lightning bolt around my finger. <laughs> you 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 sense this like very like genuine chuckle come from him. He goes, I tend to be a pretty good judge of character, and if it was up to Muldrez, you'd be in here as well. You've convinced him. But Fair enough. I don't want to deal with the dirt dragon right now anyway. The dirt dragon? Don't tell him that you call him that. Are I'm pretty see- sure I've said worse to him so far, and he oh still boy. hasn't killed me. No, no, he's... Copper dragons tend to be jesters, in a way, if you will. Now he'll he'll never do harm to someone who means to do good. He'll mess with people. Did you hear that term? He's a copper dragon. Would you have ever guessed that? That is not copper. Well, he is a middle-aged, and I'm not sure if you know about dragons, but their appearances tend to change as they age. Maybe he's maybe he's molting. Who knows? Anyway, well, maybe he hit puberty. Either way. <laughs> so back to Veyron. I think my conclusion from my research is that after the War of Shadows, some something changed, some schism in the process of how Loth did things. They. See, the the War of Hushed Whispers after that, it wasn't nearly as neat or efficient. Somehow, and I have a personal theory on this, when Veyron was working with Lolf, he was somehow able to get the drow onto the surface with no indication at all. After that, things changed. They had to burrow underneath a city to make an imprint. So we don't know. We've always known of the infighting as well. I'm sure you've now understood that's one of the major causes. We don't know, but I have a feeling Veyron may have had something to do with more of that infighting. You very well could have. Thing is, if he's looking to un- if he was looking to undermine Lolth, what better way to do it than to cause dissonance among her troops? Indeed. Nothing would infuriate Loth more than a failed war, which she's had three times. And not just failure by genuine defeat, but by self-destruction. It shows weakness in her own strategies, in her own tools. This isn't just that she's weaker. She's just less capable. Here's here's the thing about... uh, deities. We're, we're all wizards here. I'm sure you've kind of come to that conclusion. We don't necessarily worship any of the gods, but they're there. They're more powerful than we can ever imagine. The thing is, they do require followers. If there are no followers of a god, that god or goddess no longer exists. I think after the War of Shadows something happened to the followers of Veyron. I think he lost almost all of them. Thing is, without the the belief and the hope and the desperation and the whimsy of your followers, that's how deities of that gain and lose power. 
if he they changed run. his ideals. His followers before the war followed him because he had similar ideals to Lolf. Whatever changed between him and Lolf forced him to change his ideals and then his followers couldn't believe in him anymore. Perhaps he needs followers that share his new beliefs. If he's made more known, if he's made more known, he could gain more power. That indeed could be anything. So, you're traveling through here. You clearly came from the Underdark. What what are your goals up here? I need to contact him. He saved me from Loth's tortures. Loth herself tried to kill me, and he stopped her. I don't know why, but I mean to ask him. Do you... So you believe he's on the surface somewhere? I believe he's somewhere. Coming to the surface was a circumstance that needed to happen to get away from my house. It was... That just kind of happened. We needed to run. This is where we ended up. And from here, we found a few breadcrumbs that may lead us to a possible way of contacting him. But I have no sure leads. I have no guarantees. But I guess that's just a matter of faith. So you say you have a, a lead. Um, don't mean to be prying, but where where does this lead take you? A very treacherous path to the top of Mount Houghton now. Of a, a volcano? Yes. Why... Why would the Lord of Shadow want to meet you on top of a volcano? I don't know that he wants to meet me there. But he has... He has been met there before. And there's something about that mountain that calls to me in my sleep. I don't know why he wants to meet there. I don't know how I'm going to call him when I get there. I just need to take the leap of faith. Or my house will catch up to me. And any chance that I have for my own freedom and his, as I gesture to Thrym, if they catch us, our freedom is gone. Uh, Jurton... Meanwhile, he's finished his pastry and drank his water. What what do you know about gods physically fighting each other? The only things that I know about gods fighting is from the research I did yesterday. You're aware of Corellan. The creator of the elves, yes. You see when a god or goddess lose their followers, lose their champions, they become weak and influential. They're able of to be influenced, I should say. See, Corellan had banished Arashni to the demon web pits. 
the only reason he was able to was because after the betrayal, she lost almost all of her followers. Have you ever spoken directly to Veyron? He has spoken to me. But I have not been able to interact with him since. Think back and to I... that. How long ago was this? Grim, how long have we been on the surface? A few weeks, maybe a month. That's about how long it's been. Maybe a couple of months. He... He spoke to me when he saved my life. He granted me this sword. Told me that it would be useful in, on my path. And that he needed me to help him in something. But he was very vague. And then I awoke from my meditation. I had scars across my chest. And this sword in my lap. That's... All I've ever gotten from him. Maybe hints? I thought I felt him watching me in a forest a couple weeks back, but I couldn't confirm it. If you'll entertain an old elf. I wonder if the same thing that happened to Lolf happened to Veyron. He was weak enough to be banished somewhere. And is reaching out for help from you. Do you think he may have been banished to the volcano? Or perhaps the volcano holds a portal to whatever plane he is trapped in? That's what I was actually thinking is... See, if living with druids and a lot of other, I guess, science-based... You see, if, if if these druids have taught me anything, it's that the elements are indirectly and sometimes directly tied to the plane they belong to. If he's on a volcano, you don't mean the plane of fire. As you're saying that exact thing, he, like, reaches over and he's got, like, a little bookcase near him. And he pulls out, like, this very big scroll and, like, lays it out. And it's like this very illustrated, like it's got these different globes around it. And he kind of does the same thing. He like dots his hand on the one representative of the elemental plane of fire. Fuck. What better place to put someone who lives in the shadows in a place that doesn't have any? He could never hide. Well... I'm sold. The Enchantress told me of your interest to eventually head over to Neverwinter and your pursuit now, I understand, to go to the mountain. Sounds like you have a long trek ahead of you. Very long indeed. Now, I'm no expert in communing with gods, but going, physically going there and finding some area that you feel like you could potentially connect that sounds like that might actually work Nix is like visibly nervous thinking about the plane of fire 
Rem's just eating pastries. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I didn't mean it to be all about Nyx. Thrym, uh, what are your goals in this whole thing? Hmm, pastries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. To be free. Not that you guys are going on a grand crusade or anything, but could you imagine the drow without a tether to Lolf? It might tear them apart. Or it might unite them. There's just a good a chance that without the competition set forth by Lolf, they may create it themselves. Each house vying for more power, believing themselves to be better. And without Lolf to guide them, it may... It may slip out of their hands. But at the same time, without that influence, they could cast aside their differences. The houses could unite. Those are some... Dire tellings. There's no telling with the drow. No, there are certainly not. I mean, look at me. I'm a drow on the surface. Helping. Plotting, <laughs> plotting, plotting against. Plotting against my own kind. Plotting against the god I was raised to believe was the only one worth believing in. Well. Anyway, I hate to intrude upon your destination ahead of you, but it's died down recently, but we have lack of a better term, friendly werewolves that live to the east of us. I'm not sure if you have any ties with lycanthropy of any sort, but they're kind of like you cast out into the world where people hate them based on their looks. In all reality, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. They have a little settlement out there. And we got word that they were under attack by a squad of drow. Now, everything in my research about the drow shows that if you apply a lot of force in a region they actually will report that back. And they see that as lucrative targets. It results in them sending more forces to the surface. Which is why I am reluctant to send them help. I haven't sent Muldrez to burn them down, or wizards to help fight back. We got reports that they're at a stalemate right now, that drow haven't attacked them, but they know that they're there. Look, I hate to throw you out there, but would you consider maybe going out and lending your expertise on the matter to them? Do you have anything that would prevent them from attacking me? A note, a writ, a medallion, Um. your staff... He laughs. I think I have something a little better than that. Uh, 
if you're interested, uh, Harkel will accompany you. The the dog man? Uh, the young prodigy. I'm going to say this real quick. I have no interest in being transformed into anything other than what I am. Oh no! Did 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 he tell you what happened? Yes, that and was... I don't plan on being a dog or a frog or did... a log or whatever he comes up with. Did he did he tell you why he did that? I believe he said he was going to try to talk to the werewolves, but he fucked it up and used the wrong bones. You see, every every once in a while they send a couple traders over to get supplies and healing if they need it. You see, one day Harkel kind of turned a little smitten towards one of them. He's been trying to find reasons to go visit the girl. So he thought what better way to impress her would be to show up in that transformed state. The things people will do for love. Indeed. Well, in a weird way, it ended up working out for you guys. So, Harkel will be our ticket in? Yes, and I, I can do this for you at the very least. And he, he holds a hand out, and you, you, you feel all of the skin on your body begin to itch. Do you resist like do you resist this, or do you let him do it? I don't like it! <laughs> he, he senses your trepidation, and then applies more, like, force towards you, and you look down, and your exposed skin begins to lighten. I'm gonna keep resisting it. I don't like okay. it. Okay, roll me a wisdom saving throw. Yeah, against an Archmage, I don't think an 8 is going to do it. Absolutely not. Uh, he reaches over and he pulls out a drawer and he gets a mirror and he holds it up to you. Nyx, you now look like a surface elf. What the hell did you do? It's temporary. Like you said, they'd be looking for you, correct? Yes. Well... Now you don't have to worry about that. It'll wear off in 36 hours. 30, a day and a half. Ugh. Is the ball of fire going to cause problems with this new complexion? You mean the, this... the sun? Sure. The child in the sky, yes. <laughs> um, no, no, you should be fine. Is this an illusion, or is it real? I'm, like, picking at my skin, trying no, to figure it out. It's a little bit of both, if you will. Is it's mostly polymorph? Not necessarily. It's more of the surface layer of your skin is just a different pigment now. Motherfucker Michael Jackson's me. Eehee! <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, I can't do much more for you in the way of disguise, but at the very least, if, you know, you end up getting into a skirmish out there, they'll see a surface elf with a stone giant and not a drow with a stone giant. 
Uh, just out of curiosity, and I'm going to pull out something that I still have on me. Let me oh, find God. out what it's oh, name Oh boy. Was. It's probably the head of something. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's the left ass it? cheek of a sandworm. It's a spider pen, actually. And it was a spider pen that we got way back when, when we had to disguise ourselves originally. Oh, yeah. That yes. got destroyed by rain. Yep. Is there any way you could make this work again? Because when it was used the last time, it disguised me as, as something else. Interesting. So it was uh, some sort of uh, an illusion enchantment? Uh, that was. That would be my guess. What, uh, what did it make you look like before? Good question. <laughs> that is a I, great question. Yeah, I don't even remember either. <laughs> did it make him look like another drow? Because that was when we were still in the Underdark, and we had to blend think, in down there. From what I remember, I think it it changed your the like the look of your face. From what yeah, I, I think recall. It, I think it changed oh. me into looking you were a like stone a giant, but you didn't look like giant. Thrim the stone giant. You looked like Thrum. And that <laughs> oh yeah, that motherfucker's ugly. Yeah, that 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 is what it was. I suppose I could try to restore it if you'd like. Well, I mean, if he's gonna look like that, in case he's recognized, it might be decent for me not to look like me. Okay, yeah. The give it here and he takes it out of your hands and looks it over he goes well the enchantment's still active but it, it's it doesn't seem to have any residual energy this'll take take a little bit and yet again he like reaches into the the desk that he has and pulls out this like circular it looks like a dinner plate and he places the pin on top of it and he kind of holds his hand above the pin and you both kind of feel this like tingle in the air a little bit. Is this after, a wheel of mending? It it seems to be doing something to the pin. And as as it completes, the tingle goes away and he he like kind of sighs a little bit and he picks it up and hands it back to you. He goes, try, try putting that on now. I, I kind of gave it a little bit of my energy. I'll put it on. And Nyx, you immediately notice, like, Thrym's face doesn't look like Thrym's face anymore. The the nose is straight. There's not nearly as many scarring on the face. Um, it doesn't look like he's gotten his cheekbones kicked in 700 times. You know, you should wear that more often. It, uh... Oh, it makes you look less ugly. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. And I, I hand him the mirror. Reluctantly, because I'm still like staring at my own face trying to figure it out. <laughs> my god, I'm hideous! <laughs> How am I ever going to get a gnome like this? Uh, ignore that comment, Jarrett, and he's... Um, yeah, I, I don't know how quite to respond to that one. I wouldn't. To each their own. So, I take it you're willing to help us? Well, I mean, I'm no longer 
dark skin, like you kind of forced me into it. Yes, I guess we're helping you. I, I appreciate it. I, I I feel bad for not being able to send them help. They they really are. They they help with the wild animals and whatever have you out to the east. I, I hate a... to lose their support. Actually, through this may benefit us as well. Having more outcasts being attacked by the drow. We may be able to recruit them to our own cause. Pretty solid point. You, I don't think I had asked you, but are, are you alone on the surface? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm just smiling at that. Uh, Jeriton is just moves right onto that. Well... I believe... You're not gonna roll an insight? <laughs> no, not worried about it. That's um... Jeriton. He's an archmage. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably read my thoughts right now. Sucks to be you. You guys have been in the zone of truth this whole fucking time. Um... Dang it! I still lied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's maybe only a quarter of a day travel to where they're encamped out. Uh, Harkle knows exactly where it is. Um, I imagine he does. He uh, he lives in the tower right across the bridge, right before the register's office. Ah, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got a bit of a history with the registrar's office, so we should be able to find it. Oh, ah, oh, Charlie, she's a uh, she's an interesting one. She is indeed. But anyway, if you don't mind, I've got a little bit of a tutoring thing I have to take care of. If, you wouldn't mind going to, to see Harkle about this issue? Yeah, apparently I've only got so much time with this light skin. So, yeah, we'll, we'll take off. And I'm sure we'll see you again. Absolutely. Please return to me as soon as it's done. We will. Um... Hey, DM, question. Yes? My coin of sending, does that only connect to Ilganoth? Or is that like a coin that allows me a single use of the spell. No, it is it directly uh, it's, uh, connected to Ilganoth. Ah. All right. Yeah, they're, they work as a pair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys uh, leave um, the Archmage's chamber and on, on your way back to the, uh, the front door, um... You look across, and so you guys make your way on out. You guys are headed right to Harkle's place? Yeah. Okay. So, you're, <coughs> you're, you're both just... Oh, baby. You guys Dying head across... from being light-skinned. <laughs> just physically hurting your soul. Ugh. Probably can't jump anymore, either. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did it change my hair too? Like, am I am I like like, you know, like finished white skinned, pale blonde hair? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like pale blonde hair. It's no longer stark white. Oh my god, I'm reflective. <laughs> so you guys get across the bridge that gave you such trouble at the beginning of this whole thing, and there's a tower right at the base of that bridge. Um, you guys really didn't pay too close attention to that before. You only really gave a fuck about the register's office and that fucking bridge. And watching um, Cuddy attempt to run across it. So you, um, 
you look and there's this big open door and you're seeing, you know, a couple mages walk in and out and it looks like you can just walk right on in inside of there. And there appears to be another one of those red orbs that are hovering there. Wait, where's the red orb? It's right It's right in like the entrance way. And you, as you go inside the tower, I sorry, I didn't really set it up. It, it spirals up like right on uh, the outside wall. It kind of spirals up. And as you look up, it looks like it like has many, many doorways. And just like before, as you're kind of getting the sense, these are like weird, like pocket areas where it just seems a bit much larger on the inside than it would look on the outside. I'm going to turn to the red orb and say, would you mind summoning Harkel for us? The orb just rotates up the spiral staircase, just moderately slower than you would have liked it to. A little and faster, I- please. And as you say that, it starts zipping up quicker. <laughs> uh, in about 10 minutes or so, uh, you see Harkle, like, hustle down the stairs. And John, I'm not sure if you're aware, I put a picture in our, our Discord for that. So he's, like, this, like, 20-something, like, looking human with, like, disheveled hair. Like, this, like, trench coat-looking apparatus. Um, that's the best approximation I could kind of give to how I wanted him to look. Um, and yet for... I'm only mildly concerned that he actually gave an image to this character. <laughs> Everything else has been descriptive, but this one he actually has a picture for, and that's only a... mildly concerning. I have a picture for that one. Um, and uh, he doesn't really have the cane. It's just, uh, just like he has like a wizard staff, essentially. <clears throat> so Harkle like looks down and he sees you two and looks super fucking excited. Funky! Uh, no, no, uh, Har- Harkle. Harkle. Right. I'm just going to call you Spunky. I mean... I like I like that name better. Okay, I mean, who am I to judge, I guess? Uh, <laughs> what can I help you with, you guys? The Archmage would like you to escort us to the werewolf encampment. Oh, to, to, oh, to the werewolf. And as he's saying that, he's like, he's like trying to, like, smooth his hair down. He goes, uh, he, he wanted me to bring you there. I'm, okay, uh, before to meet your girlfriend not, 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 what girlfriend i don't have a girlfriend not what um does that something to do with the drow yes we are going to be making our way there to assist with the drow oh. sieges okay okay cool i can i can, I can help with that <laughs> um yeah no i can uh give me a couple minutes i can be i can be right back down i can uh we can head out now if you want yeah put on your best robe I got a cloak I'll put on, if that's okay. You want to be presentable for your woman. She's not my woman. No, stop. He, like, runs back up the stairs. You know, it was kind of weird. Like, you're white now with blonde hair, and I don't look anything like I used to. Yeah, he still noticed who we were. Yeah, my mages, prodigies, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> well, I was thinking, is it still a little bit of the smell from the golden retriever? He's got You've the got uh, a good point. He's got that. He's got that dog nose still inside somewhere. <laughs> Didn't he mark you at one point? I think he might have. I think he did. I think he did. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so as you guys are, are are bantering about him understanding your identity, he comes back down. He goes, "I never really." explain it your your skin's different 
Yes, your your boss did this. I'm not thrilled. Well, he was... says it's not permanent, so it's fine. Oh no, that is a. Uh... Yeah, no, he cast he he put a lot more power into that one, as far as I can tell. But that one all that one will fade away too. Don't worry, it'll it'll probably take a little longer. Usually, those kind of enchantments will last about twenty four to twenty eight hours, but. Um, judging by the aura coming off that, that's at least 30, maybe 40 hours. That's about what he said it would last for. Ha, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Doesn't make me any more comfortable with it. Well, you know, it's kind of cool looking. I'm not, you know, you look pretty ravishing. You could probably pick up a couple ladies or something, you know? It's the least of my concerns. I've tried. I've tried. He's just oblivious. Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah, I'm well, I'm coming in the same boat, so, you know. But anyway, yeah, no, we uh, go a little bit north out of town, and then we head uh, head east, and we can be up there in uh, half a day. Looks fine. It's not uh, that I don't find women attractive. When you're you raised in don't... a culture when men, where men are only used... For breeding purposes and you know love and and all that stuff is you know you get killed for it okay you just don't get used to these kinds of things it's it's fine whatever wait so you breed and then then they kill you i mean their god is a spider so that kind of makes sense oh yeah that's a good point maybe you like you know have your way with a girl and then like you get wrapped up in a web it's more like they have your way with you Oh. Oh. It's I mean, not like, as fun as you'd think. Yeah, it kind of sounds cool at the beginning, but yeah, the rest sounds horrible. No, it's it's more like milking. No. Okay, let's let's head out, boys. <laughs> You're welcome, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so Har- Harkle brings you out of town. Um, and you go past that that wonderful owl statue, Thrim, that you're 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 growing to hate. Is there like dried loogie on it now? There, yeah, it's like there's like this discolored stain that's dried up on it. And, and there's a new one because I just spit on it again. Oh, that's gross. But I don't know who made that, so go for it. He, yeah, it is gross. Look at it. He's a stickler for good architecture. Fine. Like, well, the uh, I don't know. Do you do you know much about werewolves? Aside from the fact that they are humanoid wolves. Yeah, they, uh, they kind of, yeah, got afflicted with a curse, essentially, and, uh, you know, there used to be this common misconception that, you know, once a month they'd turn into a wolf and stuff like that, but actually they can kind of do it on command whenever they want. It's kind of useful. Yeah, but, yeah, if you see one, if you see uh, a human that looks like a big wolf... Like, don't attack it. Don't attack it all. Like, wait for me to give you the signal, because some werewolves are bad, but these ones aren't. And I'll one try of to them, keep that in mind. One of them is gorgeous. But anyway, that's not why we're going, right? We're going there to take care of the drow, no offense. Yeah, no, that's, that's why we're going. We're not at all going to give you a chance to see your she-wolf. I'm... She'd never go for a guy like me. Let's be real. 
I gotta ask, is it is it the wolf form or the person form that's more attractive to you? Oh, it's it's the person. It's the she's a she's a human. You sure? You don't like the yeah. tickle of her tail? Not no, that's 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 not really something I'm into. Might have been a few weeks ago. What does that mean? You were a, a dog. Well, you know. Probably not. That's gross. Hey, we don't judge. Much. So you guys find find a, a, a basic path. Uh, nothing that like a cart would travel down. So now you've gotten off like the main road. Um, and now we're now heading east. And it, it's it's taking a couple hours. And you guys are now getting into more area that is more familiar as it, it looks kind of like the area Thrym that you saw that the uh, the stone giants kind of inhabited. It, it's getting kind of hilly. Uh, the trees are kind of scarce. And way, way up ahead, like miles and miles ahead, uh, you're noticing it looks like a, a rather large like pine tree forest. And Harkle points in that direction. goes, yeah, that's the uh, that's the area right there. We gotta go into there. Alright. Should we expect anything to happen on our way? Uh, on the path? Not particularly. Um, you know, actually, that's what they help out with. They kind of keep these paths clear of, you know, the occasional owl bear that's hunting for people or, you know, I guess goblins every once in a while when they show up. But usually there's nothing else. Not in, the, not in this area. So it's a strictly diplomatic mission. Hooray. I, I'd hope so. You guys want to get into a fight? Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, okay, I like man. killing things. Oh shit! Okay, you... I'm glad I'm with you guys in case something does happen. I cast mage armor. Why are you doing that? Just I am. Don't worry about it. All right, that's. I mean, I guess when you're doing that, and he like holds his hand above his head, and you can see that same shimmer happen on him, and Harkle um, cast mage armor as well. I try and fit it and hold my hand above my head and nothing happens. And nothing happens. <laughs> Fairy dust. <laughs> uh, as you do that, Thrym, like, you see Harkle, like, hold his hand up and a shimmer appears around your body. And he, he just kind of shrugs with it. And it was just, like, an effect. <laughs> he used precipitation on you. He's <laughs> like, I didn't want you to feel left out. Well, thank you, Smunky. Okay, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll learn to live with it. Um, so you guys uh, get, after after a little while, uh, Thrym, you are fucking loving this. The sun is bright in the sky, um, and and you have no issues at all. Like, you, you everything is a, just a minor, minor, minor tint to the green as as Nyx, when occasionally you glance over and just kind of catching it in his eyes between your, you know, trying to shield yourself, just kind of looking at, at Thrym to see what his body language is telling you, and you're noticing there's a little bit of green tint to his eye as well. Uh, signifying that it, that that uh, injection is working. Um, Nyx, you're, you're having a miserable fucking time. Oh, I'm... Because there there's no clouds in the sky. There's no clouds. My cloak's hood can only do so much, and now my mm -hmm. skin is white, so it's like reflecting more of it at me. I got nothing protecting me. I'm hating this. 
as you're getting closer, Nyx, um, everybody, uh, you are looking forward to this pine forest because it is thick. And you're, you're now noticing as you're getting closer and closer, there is significant amount of sunlight reduction in there. Um, so you feel confident you're going to feel very comfortable inside this forest. I am walking just a little bit faster to get to it. <laughs> Harkle kind of senses that too, so he kind of picks up the pace too. Um, at this point, you're, you're noticing the path is like going away. It's leading into like a little bit of grassland before it abruptly hits into the pine tree forest. He goes, yep, yeah, we just need to follow. The path ends roughly over there. We just got to keep going due east over here. And he looks at the sun and he goes, yeah, okay, we're headed east. Let's go. And Wait, you guys how are... how did you do that? Uh, the sun uh, goes up in the east and then goes down in the, the, the west. I'll try to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's kind of helpful. I'll remind Thrym of that because I, I can't look at it. Even, uh... You can even kind of do it at night. I've never learned, but apparently the stars in the sky, they actually have the same pattern every night. So if you get used to that, you can kind of start telling direction from that, too. That I can do. Oh, maybe it's... Um... I'm going to look up at the sun and then, like, look back down and just see spots everywhere because... <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah no no don't, be green don't spots. do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't do that if I were you. Uh, I knew a kid once who uh, kind of lost a lot of his vision from doing that. Yeah, I don't think I want to do that again. All right, that's good. That's good. I don't know why you did it at all. Fuck as you guys, thing. as you guys are talking, <laughs> you now officially go into the pine tree forest, and immediately next, like. You, oh, you, gasp of relief. <gasps> you feel like you were about to get a migraine, and now it's just easing off, and you're you're no longer feeling like, you know, you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. Uh, Thrym, you're noticing the, uh, the greenness starts to go away as, like, it's no longer having a reaction with the sunlight as much. Um, it's, it's probably, if I, if I had to throw a number at it, it'd probably be, like, one in the afternoon at this point. So it's still kind of high up there, but there's so much dense foliage and you've got like ferns all over the place and just tall ass pine trees. And these things are like nice and thick and full. And it doesn't seem to be anything too crazy. You've seen, you know, clumps of pine trees on your way north to Longsaddle anyway. So it doesn't feel crazy at all. Harkle, you know, he has his hands in his pockets as he's walking. He's got like the, the staff crooked on his arm. He's just kind of like looking around. Occasionally you see him like bend down and pick up like a mushroom and then look at it and like throw it over his head. He goes, hey, have you seen any like, you know, yellow flowers or something? You mind letting me know? I got to probably pick a couple of those. Uh, I need it for an ingredient. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, no, I get it. A, a potion of please fall in love with me. I get it. No, no, not that. Guys, stop. As, as Harkle walks forward, you guys are just making your way through. You're, you're now to the point where you, you look behind you, and it's all pine tree forest behind you as well. Um, Can I keep an eye out for those flowers? Uh, yeah, yeah, roll a perception check. Just just cause. <laughs> uh, can I say it would... Because we're in, it's really dense, and the sunlight sensitivity isn't affecting him, right? 
Yes. But wouldn't that mean his dark vision is on? Uh, Not it's... necessarily. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because then it'd be black and white. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, does Nyx even know what yellow yeah. is? <laughs> yeah, like that too. Well, you know, you guys... His fucking hair is yellow now. <laughs> that Those beautiful, luscious locks are yellow. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Har Harkle oh. rolled a four. Perception. Yeah, fucking Harkle sucks with perception, so he doesn't see any either. Uh, Nyx, with that perception, everything is just fucking green as hell. And you, you kind of, you're getting sick of all the green everywhere. I'll give it the old college try and look around. What do I find with a natural one? <laughs> uh, as you're looking around, you're, your head's down. And you're kind of looking and like as you walk like you're moving your feet and you're like trying to push the ferns over to like make it efficient and you're not looking where you're going and you just clunk right into a pine tree ow yeah, i'm not gonna don't... look for any more flowers don't, don't worry about it I'll, just, I'll figure out that ingredient i need don't worry about it so as you, as you guys are going along um the, it's slowly going uphill, and, and, and with the way that our Archmage told you, there's hills to the east. And you guys have been slowly rising up, and now it's kind of flattening out. And, and the trees aren't as, like, dense at the, the apex of this climb as they were down below. It's, they're more sparsely populated everywhere. And the foliage has kind of gone away, too. And you're, and you're noticing the trees in this area, um, the, the, the pine trees themselves they're not as like vibrant green anymore you're seeing a lot of like orange pine needles and and even like some like brown pine needles a lot of like clumps are on the ground as well and harkle's just kind of looking up and he goes that's really odd what do you guys know about trees nothing yeah nothing at all okay Cuddy once convinced us they were called boners. But but what boners? Yeah. Um you, do you guys know what those are up here, right? Something to do with wood. Um your like reproductive organ. Like Wow, I can't believe he did that to you. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat that anywhere if I were you. What if we already did? Like a lot? Um, like a lot. They're probably laughing at you. I don't remember anybody laughing at us. Um, no offense to you guys, but you kind of give off a little bit of an intimidating vibe. So I, I would imagine they didn't want to laugh around you. A fear of, you know, getting squashed. All right. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, these... So it must be some sort of insect or something. These these pine trees look like they're starting to friggin' die. I mean, I mean, look at that one over there. That one literally lost like all of its pine needles. And as he as he points over, um, Harkle uh, like holds his arms up in the air suddenly and looks down and. Nixon Thrym, uh, he was a little bit ahead of you guys. All of a sudden, these giant roots explode from the ground and wrap their way around Harkle's legs. And up in front of you, that giant tree he was pointing at 
begins to move. Do we have With... a, do we have a map? Do we do we have a map? Maybe. So mm. as 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 Harkle begins to like almost like squeal a little bit out of like this sheer panic, this this tree uh, begins to like rip up its roots and lean to the left and lean to the right, and this giant maw like rips open in the front of it and these big giant glowing eyes and it begins to lurch towards you and i'll swap it over to this is this a tree mimic or an ent or just out of at meta curiosity uh maybe you can tell me after but yeah um it uh oh actually yeah I mean, you guys have never come across a mimic before. Yeah, I'll tell you after. All right. Uh, Spunky, are trees supposed to do this? No, that's not, that's not a fucking tree. That's not a fucking tree. All right, all right. It's Should we know. kill it? Yes. Fucking kill it. All right, all right. Calm, calm your dog tits. I'm not gonna let that go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, not gonna argue with that. 14. 10. 10 for Thrim, plus zero. See, I knew you gave Harkle an image for some reason. <laughs> I was like, this, this fucker's gonna die on us, I know it. <laughs> after, after everything you guys did to keep Harkle alive? Oh, that fucking dog, man. Well, I wasn't actively trying to keep him alive. And I tried to kill him at one point. You did, <laughs> you fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, and but now, you felt bad Now his precious life is in your hands, essentially. Well, no, it's in the tree's hands. It's <laughs> literally. All right, let's see here. Um, I gotta zoom in. I'm way too out on this map. You can All see right. the, the beautiful detail. So, Harkle is... I like that token. Thank you. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Arkle's grappled. It, it is grappled, yes. Mm. But the the roots are very thick on that. Um, thick enough to be a target. Anyway, Nyx, you're up. Can I see that the roots... Do, do, do the roots have a base that's, like, away from Harkle? Um, yeah, in the back of the tree, it looks like there's, like... They're almost, like, tentacles on the ground. And two of them uh, are still, like, planted in the ground. And you would you would assume that those are the two things that are holding Harkle in place. But they're coming up directly underneath him? Yes, yep. Don't want to damage Harkle in the process. Not Harkle. <sighs> well, he's our ticket into the werewolf thing. That's it. That's all he is to you guys. It's all ever anybody ever is. <laughs> They're just fucking tickets to everything, guys. Dude, we have a goal to achieve. All right, means to an end. If people die in the process, people die in the process. Dude, that's just what what the fuck it is. Like, I mean, not before their use is expended. All right. Um, all right. So I am going to try to get a better line of sight on the big old tree, and I'm not entirely sure what to expect here. So I'm just going to throw a chaos bolt at it. Sure. 
21 to hit. That's a hit. Alright, I need some more dice. Hold on. Chaos Bolt! Eight. Mm, give me my fucking die! Okay, so it's 13 points of acid damage. Oh, baby, okay. And that's about all I'm going to do. Okay. You didn't get the uh, that trip on that Chaos Bolt? No, no, I, I need doubles on the eights to oh, get that. okay. I wasn't sure. No. No, I got a six and a one on the eights, and that's... It was either acid or poison damage. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go with acid. Oh, I see. Yeah, the eights have to match for it to jump. Cool. Alright. And that's it for you? That's it for me. Cool. So Harkle is panicking underneath this uh, vine around his leg. Um, at the start of his turn, Harkle receives uh, six points of bludgeoning damage as the roots begin to squeeze him. I'm officially messing with a character. I was able to kind of just roll with Cuddy, but now I gotta manage Harkle's character sheet. Oh no. Um, oh no! Thing it's to you, do! Oh damn it, the DM made an NPC and now he has to do work. God, I get to play the game too to attack my own monsters. Um, he he's kind of panicking right now. Um, he he actually like takes his hand and like hold, holds it down, and he he, he kind of like has to wiggle the uh, the staff like out of the grass because it like pushed it up against his leg, and he it, the the point he just lifts it up high enough. And you just see him, like, try to blast it uh, with a firebolt. Fancy. Fancy, fancy. uh, I was hoping for fire damage. And that... My job. Oh, yeah. With a firebolt, the the, the roots seem to kind of explode out. And um, you're noticing it's like this, like dark, oozing sap that explodes out of it. And the, uh, the, 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 the vines kind of limply fall to the ground, and then slowly pull back into the ground. Um, it looks very fluid. It doesn't look like stiff, like, wood at all. Boner joke. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's not something you, you would have expected to see from, like, a tree, essentially. And with that, Harkle is free. He used to sing... He is no longer grappled. Let me get rid of the status effect symbol here. And Thrim, you notice Harkle like scampers over to where you are. And Zen, give me uno momentos. Because before Thrim's turn, Thrim and Nyx, you notice, and especially you, Nyx, you start hearing rustling from around you. 
and you look and there are these like dead bushes around you like like old like they look like round bushes and they begin to separate and stand up and almost look humanoid in form fuck me how many are there there's a lot and they are indistinguishable from bushes when they stand still that so two are going for thrim that one doesn't make it this one goes for harkle two are going for three are going for nix program comes in handy all right so we'll do the three for thrim uh one's a natural one uh 16 and a 15 thrim nope no on both those yep so they, these like little like humanoid twig creatures come like like helter skelter towards you and begin to like rake at you with like these barbed like hooked fingers and your thick hide it just scratches up against you and doesn't even leave like any marks on your skin at all. Uh, one goes for Harkle. That is a hit for three points of damage to my boy. And then three are going for you, Nyx. A 15, a 16, and a 1. The 16 meets my armor class. Okay. So the 15, so you're getting one little scratchy poo. Uh, three points of uh, slashing damage. Ow. And that brings the it to blood. you, Thrim. The blood is more apparent on my light skin. It is very bright on your skin. <laughs> okay. Now, I actually have two questions for the DM. Yeah. One. One. So, Thunder's Lightning. Yeah. The spell we took it off of originally was Elemental Weapon. Yeah. Can I use Elemental like Elemental Weapon, or is it just Lightning? I think it's just Lightning. Okay, I, I kind of figured, but it was worth a shot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, and two. So, green flame blade. Is it a melee attack with my spell or a melee attack with uh, with my weapon itself? So you you cast it as a spell, and then it um it you make one attack with your weapon. Okay. Okay. You're gonna you're gonna polish off that brand new cantrip. Yep. Cool. But before I do that, I'm gonna burn a spell slot and activate Thunder's Lightning. Okay. And then I am gonna use green. It's a bonus action to yeah activate it's it. A, yeah, it's a bonus action to activate. But what's the specifics on the green flame blade is that a bonus action or is, is, is the activation and the attack incorporated into one action yep it's, it's that spell is considered one action so it imbues the weapon and he gets one attack with it well fucking damn man <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool way to stack your damage <laughs> yeah I picked that one for a reason <laughs> alright so I'm gonna do that and then 19 to hit yay yeah which one are you hitting the one to your left uh, the one directly, yeah, to my left, directly in front of me. Sure, yep. That's a hit for sure. Roll that, and then the... fifth level. 
So I roll extra d8 fire damage. And then the second creature also takes a d8 fire damage. So this is the original hit. Yeah, 1d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. Which is, what, zero? Uh, it's not much. <laughs> what is, actually, what is that? Your spellcasting ability uh, it, is intelligence. It's plus one. Mm-hmm. All right, so use that one. Okay, so for the weapon itself, it's nineteen for the weapon itself, then plus five, so twenty-four points of damage <laughs> to the guy in front of me, and okay. then it jumps and does holy shit. <laughs> And I rolled. Okay, so then, and I rolled an eight, so nine points of damage to the one directly beside him. Okay, so you go attack the first one, and you notice you would imbue it with that green flame, and right as it strikes, simultaneously, it's like that green fire just bolted right off to the second one next to you, and they both just immediately collapse into this green fire and are out of the picture. Alright. And then let's see, I can't really move because I'm still within attack range from that guy. And because I used well, actually this is another thing, because Green Flame Blade is, is a cantrip, but I use a melee attack with thunder. Can I roll a second attack or is that a different action? So nope, I can't the use using that a cantrip action? is still an action, yeah. That's what I figured. I can't yeah, do that. Yeah, that's till, the trade off with that. I can't use that till next level. Yeah, I think at seven you get that. You can use yep. a cantrip after you attack. Worth it, though. <laughs> well, it's either you hit the same... You, you choose. You hit the same target twice, or you hit two targets at once. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... It's an interesting when, It is. And if I hit, I get to roll two d8s just for that one target. Which is cool. All right, so that'll be my turn. I won't move. Cool. All right, so pop a tree. All right, the tree is tree blight. So these like creepy, gnarly looking branches, uh, Thrym, you see them just whip right down towards Harkle. Two and a four. So none of those attacks hit their target um, and then all of a sudden underneath you Thrym um, I need you to make a actually no grasping roots is a melee weapon attack so if it hits you grasping roots grasping roots and that's only a 12 nope. so Thrym you feel underneath you this like minor shaking these roots burst up but you're able to kind of like stomp down super hard and they immediately retreat back into the ground again. And that brings it to the top of the order. Yeah, you're not gonna like this. I like it all. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you do. <laughs> so here's the fun part. First, I'm gonna cast Thunderstep. Okay. All three of those fuckers around me get caught. Mm-hmm. It's a 10 foot radius. They have to make a con save. DC 15. Okay. And they take 3d10 damage. Half if they succeed. Okay. 3d10s. 
eight. Uh, all three of them fail. Uh, <laughs> I want to get my tens in line. Ugh. I didn't set up beforehand because I didn't know we were doing combat today. No worries. Alright, so 3d10 thunder damage. Thunder! 11 points of thunder damage. Oh yeah, they all... As that happens, the shockwave of thunder goes out. It it, it 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 touches their body. You see these like little limbs start to flail wildly and just collapse onto the ground. All right. Bloop, bloop. All three of them are dead. Yep. I'm going to use two points. Yeah, I, I use thunder step to teleport five feet closer. <laughs> I literally just wanted the AOE blast to get those guys away from me. Fucking nice. And now I'm going to use two sorcery points to cast lightning bolt at the evil tree in the little bush behind him. Okay. So right. this They're is right a. In the path. Yep, it's a straight line. DC 15 dex save. Okay. I'll do the tree blight first. Attack. Uh, 12 for the tree blight. And uh, 17 on the twig, twig blight behind it. I'll say, okay, so Twig Blight takes half damage. Okay. <sighs> Give me a second to do math. Math! 25 points of lightning damage. Okay. Half to the Twig Blight. Alright, Twig Blight behind it fries. And then how much? 25? 25 points of lightning damage. Alright, so you see this, like, tree, which it's dead, and... and... Uh, it's it's just unnatural, but like it's almost like rubbery when it's like kind of waving around. And then my boy Harkle. I'm gonna use a bit of movement to move back, like oh, five feet, just Makes stepping, sense. stepping yeah. back, because I have a bit of movement. And that's fine. Harkle can go now. Hark. Um, be that as it's as it may, uh, as he like backs up he had turned his head away and he looks back and this giant fucking like limb just smacks him right in the head and as that happens he like holds his hand out and uh three rays of fire come out of his hand and blast uh towards the tree i'm using so many fucking dice all at once i don't like it uh two of the rays hit That's uh, 6d, no, two, four, four d6 damage. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 11, 14 points of damage to the tree blight. And a as that happens, uh, in a little bit of slurred speech, Thrim, you hear him go, How the hell did he not catch fire? Brings it to you, Thrim. Uh, Nyx, with your passive perception, you're starting to hear more rustling come from somewhere in the forest. I probably alerted them with that thunder step. <laughs> it's a 300 foot radius of thunderous noise. Right. <laughs> it's gonna get some attention, but I got the three twigs off me. Hey! I'm just gonna smack this tree, because. You just gonna bitch slap it? Cause, cause fuck trees, man. 18. 
18 is a hit. It actually doesn't have too much of a high AC because it's a giant fucking target. 16 points of damage. Okay. And I'm going to hit him again. Yeah. 13. Okay. That hit? Uh, 13. Um, oh my, where the fuck did it go? Um, no, that does not hit. I was going to say, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <It's> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, that'll, that'll be my turn. I clicked a Harkle. <laughs> I looked at his, I'm like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. All right, and that's your Gothrim? Yeah. Cool. Fucking beans. Tree Blight is at it again. Uh, you're the closest target that kind of whacked it, and it growls at you. Tries to attack you, Thrim. One of the limbs goes really wide. You can't tell if it was trying to go for you or trying to reach out for Harkle. Um, and that's... 16? Nope. Nope. So the, the limb, you just kind of, like, as it comes down, you, like, counter it with your Warhammer. You are within 15 feet, Nyx. Yeah. Uh, 16... I'm sorry, 17 to hit? Shield. Shield. So you activate that. You feel the rumbling, and at that split second, you've seen it happen before. You pop up your shield as the roots come up, and right as the thorns begin to grab it, it you hear this, like, screech, and then they immediately, like, go back into the ground again. That's a fucking good shield. Dude, shield? Like, after, with like, mage armor? Wow. Shield with mage armor puts me at 21. Damn! So, fuck your attacks. <laughs> well, even like, so that Grasping Root will grapple you if it hits as well. So that's just like... Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I know that because I saw Harkle get caught in it. Yep. Uh, at the top of the round... Nick, you're hearing that rustling get a lot closer. Although looking around real quick, like at the start of your turn, you're not seeing any movement around you. Um, yeah, I am going to rush up to Harkle and cast Cure Wounds on him at second level. Aww. I need my guide. We need our our, our horny fucking human boy. Yeah, I need my horny boy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Alright, that's... Oh, okay. 19 points of healing. Damn! Harkle looks way fucking better than he did. Let's as, not as get you... caught up. I hear more things coming. As Because you, you, you hold your hand out towards him to cast that, I'm assuming? You have to, it's a touch spell. Yeah, so you, you get right up, and this look of, like, relief on his head, he looks very appreciative that you did that. Yeah. And, uh, that that's gonna be my turn for now. Okay. I'm not gonna burn anything else right now. Alright, brings it over to Harkle. I have to remember to take away that spell slot from that spell he did last turn. I'm sorry, that twig blight fucking missed. Okay, I'm glad. That's a lot easier. That twig blight should have uh, swung at Harkle, but in retro right. rolling, he, he missed the attack. Um, Harkle 
getting swung at, feeling a little bit better. Uh, 18 to hit on a firebolt. That's a ranged spell attack in melee. Unless oh. he's targeting the ant. Disadvantage, right? If, if he's attacking the twig, it's disadvantage. If he's attacking the tree, it's fine. Okay, yeah, he's attacking the, the twig on that. That's disadvantage. Um, so that is uh, 13, which meets the twig blight's AC. It's 2d10. Out of curiosity, what level is our prodigy wizard? Uh, same as yours. I didn't go too fancy on him. Qualifies him as a prodigy? Well, for well I mean, I, I, yeah, and I guess Thurm and I are like a couple hundred years old each, so it, it works. Right? Um, all right, so the fireball goes and just this large explosion happens right in the core of it. And like the limbs kind of just kind of scatter all around you. Uh, Thurm, a little limb like lands on your head from the dead twig blight. And Harkle uh, actually kind of like hides behind you, Nyx, a little bit to kind of create some more distance. And Thrim, that's you, boy. Oh, we'll just attacked our big tree friend here. 18 to 18, yay. 15 points of damage. 15. And 18 to hit again. Yes, sir. 20 points of damage. Hot damn. Alright, so as you're landing these massive blows, all of you are seeing, as it's kind of piercing into the bark, this like viscous, more of that viscous black liquid is pouring out. And now the external limbs above it seem to be drooping really bad at this point. Are you staying right there, Thrim? Uh, I'm gonna move, move to here. This I'm fucking guy. Still within five feet, correct? Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna move to there. Look at this fucking, look at this stalwart protector of the week. Week. And that'll be my turn. All eyes are on you, Thrim. Uh, both, uh, 19 to hit. Oh, I'm definitely hit. There's my tree limb attack. Uh, 17 points of bludgeoning damage. And... Uh, Thrim, underneath you, uh, that is a, a natural 20 on the Grasping Roots. So, you are grappled. Until the grapple ends, you take damage at the start of your turn. And that's it for now. So you are currently grappled. And Nyx, at the start of your turn, you hear um, more rustling coming from the uh the south would be and if they're still they're coming out of the tree line uh right about there like way way down okay but they're they're just slowly like shuffling with their little creepy tree limb like legs towards you and they are at the whoa why did i do that uh go right ahead with your turn sir i just gotta do there initiative. Oh, that makes it easy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sucks to suck, I guess. Yeah, natural one. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Um, I am going to step 
this direction a little bit, get a clearer line of sight, and cast Firebolt at the big old tree. Firebolt. So that is a natural one. No! Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sometimes it do. Sometimes it do. You're not burning anything else for this, fucker. <laughs> All right. That's your go? Yeah. Cool. Uh, Harkle. My boy Harkle is going to take some inspiration from you and do the same thing. That is a uh, 20 to hit, not a natural 20. 2d10. Fire damage. I like that fucking 2d10. Yeah, it's good. Cantrips get pretty good at high levels. They do. Uh, and they don't cost shit. Right? 11 points of damage. This tree is starting to look real fucking bad. It's having a real hard time kind of keeping the, the center trunk, like, steady. It's, like, kind of, like, swaying back and forth in between attacks. Uh, Harkle takes another five steps back to create more distance. Uh, Thrym, at the start of your turn, my... Poor, sweet, gentle giant. You take four points of bludgeoning damage as the roots squeeze onto you. So you can escape from them, or you can attack them. I'm going to attack them. Okay. Uh, 16 to hit. 16 hits. 16 points of damage. And then I'll attack them again. Okay. The uh, So just so you're not wasting it. So... You kind of get, like, the butt of thunder in between you and the thorns, and you just kind of, like, shove your weapon, kind of, like, use that as a, what the hell is that, a fulcrum? I don't know what the hell the term yeah. is. It's fulcrum. And you just you just hear, like, the, the cracks as it kind of lets off of you, and the, uh, the roots go sink back into the ground. You are no longer grappled. Okay. So I'll attack uh, the tree then. Cool. And that's uh, 19 to hit. Yes, sir. Good to go. 16 points of damage again. Okay. This thing looks like it's pretty close to collapsing. Okay. I'm going to use... What's it called? Action Surge. Can you use your Action Surge? And attack him again. Okay. Oh, thank God. I thought that was a one for a second. <laughs> uh, so 14 to hit. 14 does miss. Okay. Swing again. Yay. Natural 20. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. That is excellent. <laughs> On his hits, that's kind of reckless. Okay, so. 29 points of damage. Oh my dear god. Thrym, how do you kill this thing? Just gonna swing around and like Thunder's just gonna go through it and you can see like the lightning from Thunder like go up through the entire tree as Thunder just rips through it like pretty much all the way through the dead tree and then it just topples over. Nice. So it, top it topples over away from you and yes. as that, as it, as it's falling on the ground, Nick, you kind of glance over to yourself, 
and you see the uh, the twig blights that are headed towards you, they they dig their feet into the ground and they kind of just slither and disappear from that. And a big ol' X on this for the victory. I uh, will need to get back to you with the experience on that because I kind of had to mess with that because I could not find that in the typical shit. And with that, combat is over. Harpa, like, rushes over to you guys, like, gasping for air. He's like, that was fucking incredible, guys. Holy you shit. Harkle, you said we wouldn't run into anything in here. I thought the um, werewolves had this handled. Yeah, uh, I don't even think they thought this thing was here. I mean, that was, if I'm correct, that's a, they call those tree blights. And usually if there's tainted blood and it seeps into the ground, it tends to have fucky effects with uh, some of the natural shit in the area. Could that have anything to do with the drow trying to siege the land? Not that I'm aware of. They're usually more influential in just straight-up ambush attacks. Have you ever no, seen something I'm, like this? No, I, I'm just wondering. You said tainted blood, and the werewolves are cursed people, so... Maybe during a battle, enough blood got on the ground and caused this. You know, it's completely possible. I mean, honestly, I'll be eager to let the druids know that uh, something like this is out here. Maybe they could help uh, help cleanse the land of it. That kind of thing would easily rip into people unawares, just like me. So, thank God you guys were here. Yeah, pick a god and thank him. Yeah. I'll let him know. Whichever one I decide to cling on to. Anyway, it's maybe an hour, hour more or so walk that way. All right. I'm searching this tree. All right. As, as you start searching the tree, the the quote unquote bark of this tree, it's starting to like liquefy almost. The whole thing, it's like a, a slow melt ice cream. This thing is just oozing now, and and sinking in. So if you want to, you want to root around you can <laughs> you can around. but <laughs> if you want to root around ah! no I'm set alright as you're kind of like kicking it as it's doing it like everything is just it's turning into like this like gelatinous ooze that's just melting away it doesn't seem to be absorbing into the ground but it's just it's starting to like kind of spread out from the dead tree creepy motherfucking thing. The so Harkle is like, the whole time you, you can tell he's just like really impressed with how you guys handled that. And he, he talks about, you know, all the different moves you guys did. And he's kind of comparing notes with you, Nyx, on like using firebolts and the, the efficacy against uh, that type of creature. If that had any like extra effect because it was a tree and... He's kind of just kind of like babbling on and on. Like you can kind of almost get the impression he's doing it to kind of like blow off some steam or stress from that. Is he questioning why my fire is blue? Uh, no. He hasn't said anything about that. Hmm. So uh, a short while later, you guys are just continuing your trek. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Just nothing else super exciting happens. There's no other... That, that area had the majority of, like, the dead-looking pine trees 
or the 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 crappier looking ones. The rest is all beautiful and gorgeous. Um, you could kind of maybe get the impression that that tree was causing that kind of decay in that area, but without like investigating it further, it's just kind of a theory in the back of your head. As you get closer, Nix, you notice there's a, a shape up in a nearby tree, like looking at you, like maybe a, like 200 feet away, probably 15 or 20 feet up in this tree, if you had to gauge. As a shape. Yeah, there's some sort of humanoid up in a tree. Harkle. Uh, yeah. Do you, Do you see who's watching us right now? Uh. No. You're watching me. I point in the direction that I see the the creature. Oh. No, no, I think that's one of them. I think that's one of them. And he starts to like do the overhead, like waving his arms. And the uh, the creature like just plummets to the ground, and then stands up as you get. You're about a hundred feet now, as you're kind of just, you know, making your trek. You guys haven't missed a beat in walking, and standing up is a, a very small-looking werewolf. And you guys have never seen one before, but it's essentially this like probably like for you, Thrym, it would probably not even be like waist high. And Nyx is like, this is like a tiny little, like, werewolf. He goes, oh, you're, you're, you're one of them? Harkle says to, to the other one. And, and almost this, like, this, like, squeaky voice. Because, yeah, you're, you're from the wizards? Uh, yeah, no, we, we've come to help you out with your, your problem. Just, All right, yeah, no, uh, my name is Fang. Uh, yeah, come with me. It's right over here. And he begins to, to walk with you guys now. He goes, you're here to help with the problem? And he looks over at you, Nix. We've been asked to assist you. Oh, great. Yeah, no. Investigate what? and see what's going on. Okay, yeah, no, you're the, you're the only guys I've seen in the forest for a while. Uh, maybe a five-minute walk from our camp over here. We uh, we first saw the hole. And then the uh, before we had a chance to look at it, nightfall fell, and uh, all of a sudden our little camp was under assault. We uh, we pushed them back, realized they were drow, and uh, they haven't left the little cave ever since. But that's all I was really told. I'm just more of the scout. So as he's uh, talking to you, um, Nix and Thrym, you almost feel like your eyes are playing tricks on you as the shape begins to change and the hair kind of absorbs into the body and you are now walking with a male gnome. He's got a little bit of a... Uh, like a little bit of like a paunch on his belly and he just looks like a little happy happy male gnome he, he kind of has a little bit of a smirk on his face he looks very serious though but more just like kinda, he's like just kind of nudge through him you can ask if he has a sister I was uh Fang did not hear you <laughs> he goes, yeah you see over here and he points and, and where you're headed to there's a, a, another very large, dense cluster of pine trees. And you'd have to really squint your eyes, but as you get closer, you're noticing a, uh, a wall kind of appear inside of it from what looks like cut horiz- like cut vertical trees. He goes, yeah, yeah, we're over here. Come on over. And he, and he points over, and right around the corner, it looks like it's like in a square shape because you notice two of the edges on the side taper off and you can't see around them. He brings you over to the right-hand side, and you're all of a sudden greeted by a male human and a female dwarf 
are just standing there by this, like, basic wooden gate. And uh, Fang just kind of waves from him. He's like, hey, the, the wizard sent help, finally. And the, the human kind of rolls his eyes, and the, the dwarf woman kind of goes, oh, yay, we're saved now. And they kind of just, like, gesture for you guys to go inside. Uh, they open the basic gate, and inside, um, almost immediately, uh, you guys are greeted with a, a, a smell of very fresh sap from the trees around you. And Thrym, you uh, immediately smell like a delicious smelling meat being cooked somewhere nearby. You look around and there seems to be outside there are three small log cabins. Very small. Like Thrym, you're going to have to like duck your head to get in one of those. And about eight people who are kind of wandering. A couple of them are cooking fire, uh, meat on a nearby fire pit. Uh, looks like one person's like skinning a deer. And a couple other people are just like chatting and walking. And they're all just look up at you for a sec, stop, and then go back to what they're doing. Because, yeah, you're going to want to talk to Scourge and Glare. They're over in that, uh, that cabin over there. You all have very unique names. Well, that's... Scourge, Glare, Fang. Well, it's kind of our call, call signs. It's not our, our real names. I guess we'll go talk to Scourge and Glare. All right. Yeah, they're 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 pretty friendly. Don't worry about them. They're uh, they're kind of they're kind of lovely people, if to be honest with you. And with that, uh, Fang like transforms in front of your eyes again, and then he just jumps on one of like the walls and just climbs over, and you don't see Fang anymore. So uh, Harkle is looking around, kind of nervously. And he's like looking at all the people, and he he's visually like much more relaxed after he like surveyed the people. He goes, "All right, that this one right over here, right? Let's go." Who are you looking for, Harko? Uh no, no, no one. I'm just just looking around at all the people. I recognize all of them. Shame we didn't get well, those flowers. Well, I can just get them on the way back. You know, they need them for an ingredient for a potion. Anyway, let's go. Why are we talking about this? So the uh, the log cabin doesn't have a door to it. It looks like they're still in the process of like, you know, setting these up. These these look very fresh and brand new. And that's where like that very fresh smell of sap is coming in. And on the inside, as you guys guys walk in and th and thrim, yeah, you have to like really like get like a like a real big bow to get in there. And you you pretty much your your head like scratches the ceiling of this log cabin. Uh, you're greeted to a slender female elf with a long brown robe. She has purple hair tied in a bun, and she's wearing these like rather beautiful earrings that stick out because they're glowing. And you're seeing uh, a mid-50s male human with a stained white shirt looking from like sweat and dirt and red pants. He has long black hair tied in a ponytail. And they're just kind of like, both of them have their arms crossed and they're discussing stuff. And they look up at you. And uh, the the female walks towards you and she holds out a hand and says, Captain Scourge, you're here to help with our drow problem? And that is where we'll leave our episode. <laughs>